and welcome to episode 327 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. And after the heights of last week, it feels like there's actually not too much to get into this week. Normal service has resumed, you could say. Both Arsenal and City picked up another three points. Liverpool lost again and Casemiro was sent off. TK, how are we doing today? Look, a week's a long time. <laughs> Been humbled first. I wish we could boycott this like the BBC presenters boycotted, but we go again. Back to reality. Mm. We'll start with Liverpool-Bournemouth, the natural place to start in order of fixtures, which we always go to when uh, essentially Arsenal have another big win. (laughs) Um, You can bail us up with some news of the week this week. No, I had a a look and it's kind of, it's just basically people dying, but I mean, horrible to say, not in funny enough ways that it makes news of the week. (laughs) So it's like grim... Stop being selfish and die funny. It's like grim scientific discoveries, rehashing of things we've already done. Like once you've had, I mean, some of the things... Every item available up your ass. Yeah, so like when it's something like a ping pong ball, it doesn't really have the same Doesn't hit the same, does it? No. Um, So yeah, we'll get straight into the games. We'll do a run through basically of most fixtures. Bacetic in for Henderson was, I believe, the only swap from the team that put seven past United at Anfield. I guess first place to start. How did you feel about that change? Because we were speaking so highly of Henderson's performance in midweek. And I don't know if your league position is such where maybe you thought it was a banker after this and you were resting him up for midweek. But I thought that would be almost the game you'd throw away, if any. Well, I think he was ill. Okay, so okay. there was something with that as to how well, how many minutes he could get through. So, but yeah, because I was looking at that thinking, we don't really think of them like it, but Bournemouth are a physical team. When you look at that midfield, there's some size in there. Not easy for Pachetic. <laughs> I mean, it's like Billing, for example, not, not the most uh, fair fight. Uh, I thought he struggled a little bit with the game. But yeah, I think Klopp's hands were somewhat uh, sort of dealt for in there. Yeah, because I, I was actually going to ask this that, Bournemouth started the day rock bottom. They end up in 16th with a win. But after seeing uh, what they did against us the week before, I did wonder if the fixture worried you at all or if you kind of wrote it off as them having two moments in a game that we've largely dominated. And I guess, maybe disrespectfully, you don't look to Bournemouth after you've just stuck seven past United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really learning the lessons from the rest of this season, I guess. <laughs> kind of every time we think there's a turning point. Uh, not figuring out that actually you've got to follow that up. Um, I did say that this Liverpool team is capable of going out and throwing it away against Bournemouth. Uh, I was hoping for a slightly better display than this, though. It's, the difficulty is, and we've got the highlights up now, is we yeah. missed some good chances as yeah. well within that. Um, so it's not like we didn't create anything. And I thought Bournemouth were pretty good value still. I thought they still put in a good performance. I thought we were good for the opening 20 it looked like that would be the pattern of the game yeah. and then once they got their goal thought they looked they looked pretty sound um, as you said in the Arsenal game you can put it down to a couple of freakish instances for them but it's not like they weren't competitive in the game no, and no. had other chances so uh, if we thought we were going to have like a walkover yeah. then maybe this com- uh, complacency did sneak in because maybe once you've won 7-0 against United maybe you do think we've just got to turn up next week because even when you look back, they had a 2-0 lead against Spurs as well, which, I mean, they didn't hold on to again, which I would have maybe given Liverpool fans some hope during the game. But you were 
lunchtime kickoff, took yourself down to your local, probably hoping to start your weekend the right way, and then it just didn't quite play out like that. Turns out I was drinking to forget by <laughs> three o'clock. Where's it all come to? Because I think we all, maybe outside of Liverpool fans, assumed that you'd do the same as what we keep attributing to City in that we're applying the same expectations that we would have had last season. Like Most of us just thought, after that game, you'll we'll just wrap up that. fourth now. You do yep. what you do. And then it's, are you going to come third or are you going to come fourth? Gakpo scuffed a shot wide early. There was a Van Dyke header that you've alluded to. Really good chance. And then we had that one-on-one with um, Watara. And that kind of reminded us that there were two teams in the game. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it sobered Liverpool up a little bit as well because they suddenly realised, oh shit, they can get in behind. The ease with which they got in behind again, I mean, could have said it about almost every game yeah. this season, but ridiculous, really. Because then very shortly after, Watara, same man, goes down the flank, outpaces Van Dyke, squares it to Billing, gets his second in two games from a combined space of about a yard out. <laughs> And as you said, it didn't feel like uh, they kind of caught you cold. It didn't feel like it was one that was entirely undeserved. It seemed like one where you were controlling the game, but then that wasn't really what they were trying to do. No, no. The And the thing with the with their goal, it's... I mean, I think without meaning to be, you've been almost kind of Van Dijk and saying he was up pace yeah. because he just kind of stopped. He just kind of quit, which... I don't know. I think it's more unforgivable than people in their sort of desperate quest for uh, Van Dyke to be finished. Are kind of, in a way, kind of giving him an excuse, and that they're kind of saying that he's done. It's like, I don't think he's done. I think he's been absolutely fine in some games, and disastrous in others. And it's been his performances haven't been good though. And in this one, he something that is over attributed, but it looked like he didn't really want it enough. What? Well, I was going to say, I'm assuming we'll have more United-centric listeners than last week, but for the ones that did tune in last week, (laughs) BT focused on Van Dijk's reaction after the goal, and then, I guess in in the spirit of evening things out, he was throwing his hands up in frustration, he was directing it at someone. Do you have any issue with that? Because we were all on Bruno's neck for doing similar, but to a higher degree, last week. Yeah, that, that is it. The degree to which you do it, how often you do it. Um, there's a manner in which you can sort of you can call people out without doing it quite the same way as Bruno does. Um, with Van Dijk, there's a couple of ones where he does it where he's absolutely right to. He did one good bit of defending where he's made a really good recovery run, and he was going mad at the midfield because again they let them through. Absolutely fair. He could have done it to the midfield most of the season, so I don't blame him on that. Um, but yeah, the, the reaction to the goal. I mean. That's a man who knows it's on him and is kind of, again, a bit desperate yeah, now, I think. I, I mean, Trent can take a bit of blame with obviously Billing getting in, but other than that, it's all on Van Dijk. I thought it was as much of a... It was more of a sigh than a scream. Like it was, oh, for God. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Come exactly. on, kind of thing. But It's different because he would have had the captain's armband on, I assume, with Henderson being off, which means, rightly or wrongly, we do kind of expect more from you then after that. And... I don't know. He looks like, uh, and I think we've said this a few times for your season, if you were playing football manager, you'd go on holiday for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you had it a couple of years back and you had the, the injuries and you had a lot of things to point at. For now, it's not like, uh, it's not an underdog story with you. It's not 
there's no real sob story there. I know you had injuries, but Chelsea will say the same and we'd probably give them the same look. It's kind of like, just get this and we'll go again next season. And something that happened with us as well, I think because of the contract expiries that you've got, because of a number of things, you are not hoping but expecting a big turnaround in the summer. And so you do have that and you can really just, look, get so we can see we get in because that's the thing I'm hoping for, really. Because you have got City next. Or maybe Man City have got you next. It could be either or. Christ alive. I don't doubt you're going to turn up in that game. Whether you win or not is is another story. But it looks like these games against Bournemouth, the second you really have to fight for it, it's just, it's just not there. No, especially if... For, again, maybe complacency or whatever. If we weren't expecting a fight, it seems like we can't pick it up. And as soon as they got the goal, you had some questions as to whether yeah. we would turn it around. And obviously, we end up missing a penalty, and that's the kicker. But there's, yeah, there's no that, that conviction that you'd have had that we'd like. I know it's easy for me to say. I had no doubt Arsenal would come back in that game, and albeit it left it very late, <laughs> but you, you figured it out. Liverpool, you're just hoping. There's no real... Whereas once upon a time, we'd have had that. You'd have gone, we'll find a way yeah. around us. And you don't have anything like that this season. We'll speak about the, the rest of the game in a second. I do wonder, is Klopp saying, come on, we need to get top four? Do you think that motivates the players? Because I think, and I would say the same if it was Arsenal in that position, with Spurs, when they're competing for top four, there's an element of... We're fortunate every time we get in here. And I don't mean fortunate that they haven't deserved to be in here, but you look around and it's kind of like, this is fantastic. We're playing in the Champions League. And you can go back and listen to the podcast from last season to hear that I would have been doing exactly the same. So it's not an anti-Spurs thing. I wonder for Liverpool, if there is the same thing, like if you're not competing for it, if they have the same drive to come on, we need to get back into the Champions League. Once you've won things, I don't see how finishing for the top four can feel like an achievement. Especially when you've had, obviously, the year we have last year where the players would have been dreaming about winning all of them. I don't see how, less than a year later, the idea of just coming fourth could be a trophy in your mind. So, whilst you'd say, well, you're being paid millions of pounds, that should motivate you. The players don't look as motivated and it seems pretty obvious. No, and I've seen at some point, so a lot of the, uh, it's being attributed to mental fatigue and... I've seen United fans saying that and we're in March and I don't know what they were fatigued from last season but that's the thing but we always usually hear Pep you can't do the same thing with the same number of players you need to bring in two or three players each time you kind of have done that so you have brought in Nunes and you've brought in in Bacetic are coming to the side and Gakpo and, and some others and so I don't really know what it is and it's probably a larger conversation, but there's a thing where with Arsenal in this situation, if you went down a list with most people and you said, who's better, this player for Arsenal, this player for City, I think most people would probably give you City in most positions, whether it's right or wrong. I think if you did with Liverpool last season, people would have done the same, probably outside of Van Dijk, Salah, and there would have been an argument for Fabinho, there would have been discussion with Rodri, Trent, the same people would argue that the same people would argue against. But then it's not even just City. I think if you'd asked, if you'd done a comparison with Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans last season, if you'd done a comparison with Liverpool fans 
and Arsenal or Spurs fans, there would have been a number of fans that would have looked at some players in your squad and gone, our guy's actually better than your guy in that situation. And so now is the question where you say, are those players playing at their standard ability, what they actually are? Was it the kind of sum of parts was raising them to a level they weren't? Are they having an off-season and they just couldn't sustain that level anymore? Or has their ability gone past them? Is it because they've got older? And Klopp is going to, over this next couple of games, even if you don't get the Champions League, even if you don't get whatever, that's really what he should be using these games for to say, next season, when we're in form, how many of you can I actually rely on to sustain that form, if not take us to another level? Because there must be players in your squad you look at now on the pitch that you would have had trust in last season that you now see and go, oh, I don't feel good. Fabinho is probably a prime example. Clear example. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. And how often, you know, other players can replicate it. So, Henderson, we've got to tune out of in the United game. Can he do that? How yeah. many games in a week can he play? How many times can he get that level of performance? Probably not that many. So, um, and even this new look front line, you don't know how sort of long Gakpo, Darwin or whatever, how many games they can sustain a good performance on. Yeah. You don't know where you're going to get. I didn't think Gakpo was great against Bournemouth. I thought Darwin was actually good. I thought it was a mistake from Klopp to take him off when he did. thought he was our biggest threat Do you think out of you know, the three of them up front. I think he's just an easy person to take off. And all managers are guilty of this. That Look, it's, it's sometimes they just don't want the hassle of subbing someone that's going to complain. And I don't necessarily think Gakpo is that guy, but... Nunes doesn't yet have enough credit in the bank that he can complain too much when he comes off. No, he was shaking his head a bit the first time I've seen him do that when he came off. I think um, it's fair when you look and as you say, you you said something last week about Nunes and you say, for all the 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 criticism there's been, I've never looked at him in a game and said, you're not at least offering something. Yeah, I can't see what you're doing here. Yeah. And he's someone like that. Like There's some players in the Arsenal team and... Martinelli spoke about it. Now, he did a piece in the Players' Tribune and he said that his dad, as much as he would tell him about working on his weak foot and working on this and that, his dad would make him run as much as he would make him do anything else. And he would always say to his dad, why? And he said, because you're going to have a day when your touch isn't on, you can't hit the target. And just by simply running, you can have an impact on the game. And I'm not, boiling Darwin down to he's just a runner but he does have that he has that drive and he has just a sense of he's very much A to B isn't he he get me to the goal in the shortest possible time and that's really what you needed against Bournemouth when we had it we had to keep trying to pull them apart and they were so set in their position that we couldn't do that and so it was on set pieces where you had opportunities that we were able to break them down and it was just second balls and there's few better players in your team in terms of keeping play alive than Darwin which is why it's so confusing that he's the guy you sacrifice yeah yeah. you, you don't tend to feel a game will slip him by in the same way a gap where we can um, for example I, I realise in Klopp's shoes Salah was another good day but it's difficult to take him off if yeah. you're chasing a game I understand that um, I would have thought Gakpo should have gone before uh, before Darwin myself. Milner and for the, Trent yeah. is a horrible. Milner answer. for Trent is just odd. I that's one usually if you're trying to seal up a game, which yeah. doesn't always when Klopp's telling you, look, this guy's a great defender because Milner isn't a guy. We, it's more the experience, I guess, than but he's been a. It's lot fine to like the first time he just gets skinned, doesn't it? And he can't keep up with it because of his age. Then you're like, why the hell have you done this? Like, you've done that to Trent a few times this year as well. I know Trent. 
is not having his finest season, but that must piss you off. Yeah, we we would have it, and it, it's it's different. I know, but in terms of the preset substitutions that we weren't able to do anything outside of Martinelli for Trossard, no matter how good Martinelli was doing in the game or no matter how good Trossard was doing in the game, it was them being swapped for each other. And in the Brentford game, I was saying, why not try and do Xhaka for Trossard and we try and switch it up and do something like that? And some managers just see, it's almost like a go-to, it's like a reflex of, I need to change the game, what can I do? And it's, it's just a lack of creativity, which tells me maybe he doesn't trust some players to do more than what kind of their preset is. Like he's not asking them to do anything different in there because maybe the application isn't there. He doesn't want to muddle things up any further. Well, look, if he was a different manager in a different club, I would say this about him. So I'll have to attribute the same to Klopp, that he looks like a manager that's kind of out of ideas and he's just having to do whatever. And so it's the same as... That's why Pachetic ended up in there. So we've got to get something new into this midfield, some yeah. new energy, and that was it. We've said about the, you know, changing the team, subbing players at certain times. It's, I think he's trying different things, and he's probably baffled by the lack of answers he's able to get. I think he would probably would have thought the United game was a turning point. If you listen to how he talked after the Bournemouth yeah. game, I thought he was oh, pretty despondent and kind of surprised at what he was getting. Oh, that was. If I was a Liverpool fan, that would have been the biggest red flag for me mm, because yeah. as an opposition fan, we can all do the, what is he whinging? Look, they lost to Bournemouth fair and square. What the hell is he complaining about? But it would have at least been more expected if he was coming out and he was saying, look, we didn't have it today, but I thought this went wrong and this went wrong. And just, you know, he usually snaps at an interviewer to kind of do a deflection thing. This time it was kind of like, look, what do you want me to say? Like, he he looked like he'd have the fight beaten out of him. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, and it, look, whenever in, in interviews he's always insistent he's still got the energy or whatever for the job, so hopefully he does go in the summer. They do all look like they're waiting for the summer, but yeah. unfortunately, lads, it'd be quite nice if you got into the Champions League. I'm sure yeah. your boss upstairs would quite like you to get in the Champions League as well. Um, and for all... You know, we've, we've had recent success in the in the tournament in terms of going deep in it. Far from a God-given right to be in it. When we were out of it, we were out of it for a wh- long time. So the idea we're just going to sneak in like Newcastle aren't going to... We know they're going to get better. We know Arsenal are there to stay. City obviously are there to stay. United are getting better. So Chelsea won't be as bad as they are this year. So the idea that we're just going to go, oh, we'll just be a season out and then back in is naive. The Europa is very different to the last time you were in it as well. That mm. it even hit me this season when you looked at the quality of those uh, playoff ties, like just United Barcelona, even just from the right of names, just seeing those in there. And then you were looking, you still at Juventus, and you got Sporting coming out of the Champions League, and a number of them. It's no longer a competition in which you can just take it easy. United. Actually, United didn't. United kept playing their first eleven, which is why when they're complaining now about players being tired, it was like, "Why are you doing this?" But we we rotated less than we would have usually. You can no longer just do a whole new eleven every time. And we certainly wouldn't, Jesus. And so that's where then maybe some of the money that was going to go on a starter, you look at. We might need two players instead of that one and you've had too many false promises before about look if you get in the Champions League then the money's there for you I don't think you need your owners to have the excuse of look we don't have the Champions League money no exactly that exactly 
I've said it before, but I'm amazed. And maybe it's just blind faith, but sort of a lot of the same fans that will be furious at the lack of money spent will say, well, we're going to buy X this year. (laughs) Well, you've just been, you've just noted that we don't tend to go all in on one window. So how, what makes you think we're going to this time? Maybe we will, but I think I have to see it to believe it. I think I'm quite good at, picking apart what's real and what's fake transfer gossip at this stage as well, mainly because I consume all of it. Some of the stuff I see for you is very much Liverpool sources or Liverpool-centric people (laughs) feeding journalists and basically saying, don't be too depressed. Because when I see things like Liverpool are among the front runners for Guardiola, and it's like Liverpool are not going to spend surplus of a hundred million on a centre back. That's just not going to happen at this stage. And perhaps more worrying and maybe something that ties in with where your form could be this season. A lot of the local media, so um like the Brazilian media for Fabinho and that kind of equivalent, are speaking already about the other players that are going to be leaving you at the end of this season. And you're seeing the likes of Simicas now is going to want to go and play first team football somewhere because he's looking around the league and saying, oh, I'm actually better than quite a few yeah, of these guys. Yeah. And uh, Cato, we know, is going to leave. I saw some others that I meant to write down, but there's a number of uh, others that are kind of in that second string for Liverpool that it's not just going to be first team players you need to replace. And I don't know if it's the buy. And I thought it was strange when Firmino came out and confirmed that he wasn't going to be there next season. When it was Lacazette and we were competing, I guess, for the same thing you're competing for now. We kind of knew for a long time Lacazette wasn't going to be back there next season. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't confirmed until the season was over because we had something to play for and you don't want to put the thing out there that you're not the guy that should be brought on because you're all in. I thought that was really strange and that pointed to me like people have taken their foot off the gas as we can see on the pitch. You've got a handball actually the Jota brought on Solanke missed a chance at the end of the first half to make it 2-0 not like him (laughs) and then uh, Jota comes on and maybe you can point out did he change the system because I can't imagine Jota was playing central midfield but I couldn't really work out what you'd done was he playing behind the striker he dropped Gappo in more okay so from like a 4-3-3 to a 4-2-3-1 kind of thing effectively yeah Um, which in principle I think can work um Again, just wasn't Gapo's finest day. He, he had a couple of ones where you'd have gone in Klopp's mind's eye. This probably is how it would have worked out. He dropped in midfield, turned the shoulder on someone, done for pace. He got them, I think they got a couple of bookings, both off Gapo skinning someone again past them. So it's not like you couldn't see the method behind it. Uh, it was just the end product, just wasn't there. Should you maybe have looked at what happened after we praised Ian Acho and then reflected on last week's episode and been like, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. So I just slag people from now on and never say anything good. I think it's clearly because I've space jammed the pair of them. Well, there, there was a thing for me where I would slag off Arsenal players and then one of them would score and people would kind of give me like a ha-ha and it's like, our players just scored. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, this isn't the worst gotcha in the world. I'll, I'll take these all day. Yeah. Um, because people were doing that after the Lacazette goal that wasn't um, against Wolves last season. They're like, this is the guy, look, I'll take the L if it means that uh, we take a W on the pitch. Jota at least did do something. He wins the penalty, which... I was 
I don't know how it came across in our group chat. You didn't um, think it was a pen? Well, it was more that I looked at the ones that we weren't given against the same opposition <laughs> last week. And the first one that we're not given is where he's gone to play the ball with his head, he's missed it and it's dropped on his arm, which is pretty similar positioning of the arm and everything to this week. And then the fact that they were so insistent, like immediately, well, that's obviously a pen. It's like, what? Did we not see the ones last week? I do think there's a massive difference in just being a TV game in terms of the decisions that you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, maybe true. And I don't know. It seemed a strange one to give when you look at the ones that weren't given in, in any weekend, but... I thought the... I thought once it's heading towards goal, I feel pretty confident it's happening. Well, that's um, the, the, la- the last one we had where it's proximity or I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. So, I thought the one in your game that definitely was, was I can't remember who it was that headed it towards goal. Um, Gabrielle. So, I thought that one was regardless. We, like recoils like Because that. of, <laughs> yeah, because of, because of that, I thought it was. For example, the one where it fell on his arm, I can, I can see how you wouldn't give that. I didn't scream in real time for that. Yeah, I can see how you wouldn't, for example. But yeah, that, that's one with ours where I felt pretty confident that was going to be given. Uh, and I never feel confident in Salah's penalty taking skills, but I what? didn't think he'd miss like that. I was going to ask about this because... I always thought he'd be saved rather I read than blast that's the over. first ever Premier League penalty he's missed. I can believe it. Like I said, his, <laughs> his record's great. You just... I don't think he knows how it's gone in afterwards. I certainly don't. Each time, it's just kind of hit and hope and it's gone well so far. Yeah, I, I said with uh, Saka, I said on here, look, everyone he's taken has gone in so far. But every time I'm still like, oof. And maybe it's because I've seen you miss one. With, yeah, cause you know. at least with him, you look at him, I, I quite like his technique when he hits a penalty now. Obviously, didn't didn't smash with the England one. Salah's is just. I'm just going to hit this. The one he took uh, against Allison at the Emirates, yeah, filled me with more confidence that Allison went the right way mm. and still couldn't get it. Ros, okay, maybe. And from what you hear about him at school and everything, I think he is one of those people that if he sets his mind to something, then he is going to be annoyingly good at it, and maybe that's happened, but. I still won't feel confident if he's the guy on the last game of the season stepping up to take a penalty. <laughs> last game of the season, I might not want us to get a penalty. If You'd be screaming if at the ref. If it's still there at that stage, because I've just... Don't give it to I, us. I don't want to see this. Mm. Um, Georgina will be stepping up for it anyway, doing his little that's, hop. That's the work. Yeah, because everyone finds that hilarious when you miss yeah, it. Yeah, that's I, it. If I you I miss that one, it's... I definitely won't. Bruno did it against uh, us at the Emirates last season, didn't he? When he hit the post and Ramsdale's just <laughs> doing a lot of scary movie thing in his face. <laughs> um, do you think Salah's firing for the top left? Is it a missed kick? Like, what do you think happened here? Can benefit the doubt and say he's going for the top left? I don't know. Again, when he hits a penalty, it does just seem to apply the logic that if I hit this hard enough, this is going in. Um, I guess eventually that's going to backfire on you. The, the flip side to it is it's the only perk to having Milner on the pitch is that he's a good penalty taker. Outside of that, yeah. I don't know who the obvious taker would be. So and Salah has to kind of step up. Is Salah going to let Milner take it in that situation if Milner's on? It's a good question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, after that miss, I think you have one chance after that as a late Gakpo chance. It was like yeah. your players collectively went, it's not our day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, as a fan, you felt that. <laughs> not ideal that the players also seem to because what no, was that? that wasn't even 80 minutes at that point no. so you had time so it was the 70th minute you get the penalty yeah. 
And by comparison with, with what you've said, even a corner in the 96th minute, I was still like, and I cringe at that kind of thing anyway, but the amount of Arsenal fans that set up a phone to record themselves on that last corner, <laughs> as cringy as it is, tells you that there was a collective belief that... We, we weren't setting no uh, videos to record <laughs> at the end of the game, I'll tell you that. Could you hear the commentary in the pub or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a thing where, well, a genus on comms, and then he thought, oh, fuck, they must be saving Maka for midweek. And it got to half time and it was like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I, saw, I thought we'd been spared. And then, no, we end up getting treated to genus on comms and Maka in the studios. It's double punishment. It, for all, you know, I've said about Van Dyke's error or whatever, and he's having a bad game. It is funny because genus and the pundits obviously haven't watched him this season or because they were like, he just, just doesn't look that bothered, does he? It's like, well, that's kind of been the criticism a lot of the time. I, as much as I love him, I do think, he sometimes is ideally you'd be defend well and if you look cool doing it great I think sometimes he's more interested look cool and if I defend well great but I've, I've looked when it's him, bad I mean. I've looked at him in a slightly different way ever since that week where we did it with uh, Jack here as well and I looked at like his tackles for the season and couldn't believe how little he makes a tackle and I understand that's kind of his brand but at some point when your team is in it, you do have to engage the ball. That's entirely as well on the results, isn't it? Yeah. If we're top of the league flying, you're going to go, they're fucking magic. How the hell are they so, doing this? When you're in the mire, it's a bit like, oh, someone isn't lifting their weight. So that is the thing as well, isn't it? Because I keep comparing to to us, but we're essentially you. Please compound my misery. Yeah. Last season. But the mistakes we've had this season, nine times out of 10, other than the City game, really, Someone else has gone up the other end and said, "Don't worry about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure this isn't the talking point." Yeah. Even the Tommy Asu one, we get back into it, and then every other defender on the pitch is determined to give the ball to City. <laughs> after that, but like the Fulham one, Gabriel makes a mistake. Gabriel gets the winner. We play Leicester. Saliba scores an own goal. We go straight at the other end. Seventy seconds later, and we score yeah. another one. Yeah. West Ham Saliba gives away a penalty, and then Saka just goes Super Saiyan. Like, that's what you need and maybe maybe Van Dijk was making similar but less mistakes when you were doing well and because everything else around him is just so in tune we don't notice it I, I spoke and we're going to do the Arsenal game like last today but I said that in the Everton game the issue was five players had a bad day Saka probably didn't have his best day against uh, Fulham but all other 10 players did have a good day. And your issue at the moment is you're struggling to get six players clicking on a pitch. This is it. No one's no one's bailing him out when it goes wrong. Um, that's kind of the centre-back's issue and, as well. Yeah, yeah, true. And he's, you know, probably got right to throw his arms up in the air in terms of he's probably bailed out a lot of people in terms of his <laughs> yeah. performances previously. Um, it, the, only, the only thing I would say... I'd like to say that, you know what, there hasn't been a drop in his performance. It's just, he's been making errors before, but kind of got away. I'm sure if you look hard enough, you'll find some, but on the whole, he's generally been fairly great for his almost immaculate, a lot of games. And there has been a drop in his performance and our performance as a whole. So the two have just kind of gone together. I only say that because there is this slightly weird movement and it's mainly online, just crap where it's, so like, you know what? 
he hasn't been good the whole time. And it's <laughs> yeah, just kind yeah. of been that we've been getting away with it. So I'm not entirely sure that's Matic that's the was, the, was the other player I was thinking of earlier where he's supposedly going to leave in the summer. Really? Okay. And it's a strange Weird. one because I think we would all say at this point that Canati is your second best defender. But I think we'd also say, I think if you asked Van Dijk who his favourite partner was, then I think Matip is probably his guy. Him and Joe do get along. <laughs> might be might be Gomez. Uh, yeah, the only thing, and I don't want to discredit Matip, is he going to do better than us and be valued higher anywhere I, other than I us? Think I don't a, think so. No, I think it's a strange one. Um, Unless there's, you know, personal reasons for leaving. I can't think who it is. There's... There's a fullback at Madrid and his name is escaping me. And it's Nacho, I think. And he's discussing whether he's going to leave. But he has a contract offer on the table from Madrid. And he's basically weighing up. Let me advise you, son. Yeah. (laughs) Stick around. He could go elsewhere and perhaps play more football. And the question he's essentially asked is, look, you're not going to do better than here. So weigh up your 10 games a season here compared to your 30 games somewhere else go and play see what pony for Tottenham see what uh, yeah, and see I what think, your career's like I think I know what I think he'll stay but and clubs do really appreciate the guys that do that like mm. maybe not when they're on the pitch but if, if you ask an Arsenal fan if they dislike Rob Holding is the best example <laughs> I think I don't think you're going to find one that doesn't like him as a some really like him. Yeah. <laughs> one, one listener that will be listening to this really likes Rob Holden. And so I'm sure if you, if his contract has one year left and you ask Arteta, do you want to keep him? He's going to say, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for well also, the, something you've touched and Matip's on. Matip's far better than Rob Yeah, Holden. yeah. Something you've touched on is like, you'd also need squad players. You can't just lose no. them and think, well, we don't have to replace it. Bear in mind, we think we're short already now. You're on a net negative if you start losing players that are making up the squad. And Klopp, I know, feels the same. I've heard Arteta speak about this, which is maybe why the Jorginho one was the strangest. I know he wasn't our first choice. They're both very much say, you don't sign squad players. You sign squad raisers. And Mm. the guys, it's just natural order. Go back down. I do remember messaging you last season that unbelievable time in the season where I was like, you know what? I think Rob Holding could go to the World Cup. Like, if we're playing a five at the back and we want to win a game, we've seen you bring this guy on, he levels things up, and then you see him a bit longer and it's like, okay, the guy doesn't really win headers too well. He's not very fast. And then that game we had in the FA Cup against City, I remember the the collective fans were like, you know what? He actually bullied Haaland there. (laughs) Well, Haaland really does, again, that has like the striker version of the Van Dyke thing, where it's just like any game where we're like, you know what? It's absolute fraud. Fraudulent the whole, t- the whole time, fraud. Uh, yeah, the, the, the listener reference was still making the case that Rob Holding should be in the World Cup. It's got on the eve of the World Cup. So It's the hair, I think. Like, he just looks a bit better on the ball now. Like, he quite literally looks better on the ball. You know? yeah. I said before, like, when... Uh, McGregor looked his worst when he was bold. He just looked a bit fragile. Just got the bold head. Just didn't do anything for him. Uh, there are, there's always the backup quarterback analogy, isn't there? Of like, this is the best job in the world. I love when you see a squad player that really enjoys being a squad player. Rob Holding this weekend played zero minutes. He had the t- he said he had the time of his life seeing Fabio Vieira win a free kick for not getting fouled. And his Instagram story last night was. Uh, 
been a, a country music festival for two days and we've got three points. Couldn't have asked for a better weekend. <laughs> I mean, that's almost taking the piss, but that's yeah, like, I like that. yeah, enjoy it. The thing is, like those, it's very cliche, but those personalities are pretty important because if you've got, you can have a really great Stein eleven, but if the squad players are sulking, eventually yeah. it's going to cause a problem. It's kind of the thing on on tournaments, isn't it? Where they sort of say like the <laughs> yeah. third, the third choice goalkeeper is like the most important member of the squad yeah. because he's going to keep the crack going. It's, I'm not entirely sure he's the most that's important. Like we but, brought Ramsdale. <laughs> Yeah, Connor Cody. What? <laughs> I mean, he's now gone to third choice centre back at Everton. Which, when he it's still when he still gets an England call up next, then we're going to have to ask some questions. What now for Liverpool is maybe the the, the Quit. next best question. Give up, like you're you're not going to turn on Klopp. Like the the people that do turn on Klopp are going to do it probably on Talksport. It's probably going to be the place you're oh, going to hear sure. people yeah. doing it. Um, but no one is realistically going to do it. Can he do anything this season to change the way Liverpool fans speak about him? Because no matter how this season ends, you can't lose any of your first like three games at the start of next season because people are going to be on your neck. Yeah, depend. Ironically, depending on if what we do and don't do in the summer. If we do business. People go, well, pressure's on. If we yeah. don't, it's like, well, yeah. let's step up. So no matter what they do. Um, yeah, I guess I guess he could reach a point, probably not quite this quickly, but not far off, where Wenger got to, where he's a little bit like, asked fans are starting to go, let's just pull him out of his misery here. Yeah. Let's not. And essentially kind of forecast what did end up happening, whereas like, I don't want to be wishing this guy out of the club. Yeah. And by the end, obviously, they were going, he's got to go. That. That is a man. You don't want to end up in that position with Klopp, which isn't impossible. It is when you think, if I just take myself as an example, when I see Wenger now, and maybe not when he's trying to pass through like an extra World Cup and all these things, (laughs) but in general, if I see a clip of Wenger, if I see an interview of Wenger, brings a smile to my face. It is mental to think of what that period was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there are Arsenal fans, and I don't think I was as deep in as some, there was a period where you did not even want to look at that man. Yeah, and yeah. The people, the people that tell you they were the strongest Wengerins, they just weren't publicly Wenger out because we could all see what was going on. There, mm. was, there wasn't there was a point, you see, like with a shot fighter, where you know they don't even have that like one great day left in them anymore. Like Wenger used his up against Chelsea in the Champions League, uh, in the FA Cup final. Mm. Klopp, I don't think you're at that stage, but... In the comparisons with Pep, so much of Klopp's brand is that he actually doesn't need these best players because he gets the most out of every single player. Yeah. So when yeah. you stop getting the most out of every single player, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> now what? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I will say, for uh, with the Wenger out stuff, I think my stepbrother might have been the last man on the Titanic with the Wenger <laughs> thing. But to the point where I think it was an indictment on him, it was a little bit like if you go Cheltenham this week, and I don't know, I'm assuming he's not running, but if you see Champ in a race <laughs> and you're still backing it, it's like, well, I'm judging you now because yeah. we know this horse is shot to bits. Yeah. So I'm, this isn't loyalty at this point. This is I blind would, faith. I would try and say to my uncle, like, look, we can't keep allowing this to happen. <laughs> and he'd be like, well, look, who's better out there? And it was like... There comes a point that where that's no longer be, an argument, yeah. though. It's same with, like, like Oli United, I'm not <laughs> liking yeah, yeah. the two, but it was like, 
it doesn't really matter who you get in here. We've just got to get someone else in. No, um, the first clop out banner. Like, if we want to go through like the meme castle, or I, I will be there no matter what. Because I said previously, <laughs> I need to be on the outside of this to know truly what it's like. Because there used to be nothing more frustrating than someone that supports like United saying. And you want you wanted Arsene Wenger sacks, and it was like you didn't understand Gary Neville saying that used to be the most infuriating thing in the world. The the difficult thing you had was, and I get it was frustration, but there were fans that were treating this like a regular manager who you wanted yeah, sacked. Yeah. And at some point, you've kind of got to take yourself out of it and go, okay, I might want him gone now, but I do still know what he's done for this club. Well, and like you said, in the cold letter day, now you can look at it. But at the time, <laughs> some people weren't. Well, even in terms of how you look at everything, because um, I, I've never been an Arsenal fan TV guy. Mm-hmm. I I would occasionally, either after a big win, I would want to see, but I, w- I wouldn't be a guy who... Religiously would Like, some of... In the Wenger out days, you would be walking out of the ground... And if you'd stayed a bit after the game, you would see a crowd and you would know that's where they're filming Arsenal fan TV. Right. And I would never understand the people saying like, they're not real fans because they're talking about this manager. And I think Bellerin was the guy that called them out and said, look, you're profiting off the team losing. And I think the argument was, ultimately you are as well at this stage. (laughs) And if... I choose to believe that the majority of them were Arsenal fans beforehand, so they would rather the team win. And there was comparisons of the numbers were better in some stages if we won. Some fans wanted to say, okay, we'll take this now as ammo for when you're losing. But as soon as Wenger left and you could see these same people saying it after, like, we've won like 10 games in a row and I was very strongly on here Arteta has to go this that but then at the point of last season I think I said on here I probably wouldn't sack him now like even if we don't get top four I don't think I would I've seen enough to say that there's something going on here and then we lost our first game in however long it's like look he's got to go and it was okay now in the cold light of day I can look at this and be like yeah you are just Leeches, basically. Yeah, yeah. But during that Wenger, everything was like everything was burning around you. Nothing made sense. No, because the Emery days, it was like okay, I'm right behind you. And I think the only time I've like been waiting for the uploads was coming out of that Crystal Palace game when Xhaka uh, told the fans to fuck off. <laughs> where I was like, <laughs> I might need to get in with these people because like I need to vent. That one seems with, fair with everything that, that going on. Doesn't seem unfair. Um, Let's move on to another game. We've got uh, Leicester and Chelsea. So since Jack last recorded, Chelsea have actually won three in a row. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying there's there's something to that, Jack, but... um, They went away to Leicester here and you never really know which Leicester side are going to turn up. Um, They drew first blood in the 11th minute when Chilwell scored. Um, Shush the fans, interestingly. Yeah. I mean, Danny Ward, we can have the same. Qu- I actually like that he celebrated. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. I've seen, yeah. I saw the clip. There's just something hilarious about a left back yeah. cupping his hands. Well, I saw the, the clip fans. pre-game of 
they were laughing at him that he dared celebrate what we thought was a last second equaliser in the FA Cup final against them, which I never understood at the time their fans being offended by that. No, no. And then he was on the bench last season coming back from one of his many injuries and uh, they were singing something along the lines of Ben Chilwell warms the bench or, or something or your shit, you're on the bench, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was uh, well up for it when he was... Yeah, uh, that, that is fair, isn't it? Absolutely fair. Um, sorry, my brother's... Uh, Felix, we have losing possession on about 39 minutes. Dakar scores, squeezes it past Kepa to equalise. And then quite a nice goal, actually. Leicester trying to press forward. Enzo does a reverse pass into Havertz, who chips it over the keeper. Um, the Chelsea, uh, the sorry, Danny Ward in goal makes it look a bit nicer than he does, as he does always, that he kind of comes halfway out and he's like, go on, chip me. He's just awful. He's just awful. But the Chelsea uh, admin, he's been feasting on it a little too much. The interesting thing with that, um, be interested to hear Jack's thoughts on it when he's back, is that that felt a little bit like when you were on that spell with Arteta where you weren't getting a lot of goals and every now and again you'd get one that looks like perfectly well rehearsed. Yeah, "Yeah, that's great, but also you're not going to get the perfectly well rehearsed goal that often. Like you're not going to get the Havertz chip, the like I said, the reverse pass from Enzo. Something in the chain might go wrong, and you aren't just and you're going to be able to have to score a goal out of almost nothing. And you just don't back the Chelsea are going to be able to do that, unfortunately, at the minute. No, um, but they're getting better. They've actually scored goals in one game. Enzo's answering me. He's running up the numbers. He took there. it personally. He he does look like someone who is going to try and push them forward, which is why I think something that needs to be addressed. Look. It suits all of us if they give Kante this contract that we think they're going to give him. <laughs> One, it probably suits you because it means you aren't going to try and bring him in, which I'm not ruling out would have been the case. Um, We're on money mace. Yeah. And I think they need someone behind. You could then play Enzo slightly further forward. Him and Kovacic with someone in behind feels a, a nice mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then we said that about a Chelsea squad before. They'll probably go and sign another eight. They'll say look, we've gone on football manager and it says that Enzo can play as a six. So that, that must work. So there's a lot that you could have meant an eight midfielder then or eight. <laughs> they might sign eight more midfielders. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak about holding midfielders, but playing as a lone six in this league for a top club might be the hardest position to play mm, in the league. Tough gig. Um, and there we go. Gallagher cleared one off the line to keep Leicester in it. Mudrick had one ruled out for offside and then I actually jumped the gun last week. Um, he did actually get a header that I don't think he was trying to do much with, but set up the third goal and did prevent 007. So unfortunately. Something about that seventh game that. seems to serve people just as the uh, 007 memes are coming out. Seems to just about butt their ideas up. Yeah. Um, what should Chelsea's aims be? Before the season now, Europa, like they're five points off you, two points off the conference league. What should they be trying to do? It's hard to know with them, isn't it? Because look, maybe they'll back themselves to go Spurs, Newcastle, and Liverpool are that inconsistent. If we can get a run together, we can be amongst it. And yeah. I guess a couple of games you might start to get worried. Um, 
I would imagine they're probably fairly indifferent whether they get Europa or Conference or nothing, aren't they? I'd imagine yeah. it's just try and formulate a plan in terms of figure out in this massive squad who's going to be here next season, who isn't, trying to get a style of play and a starting eleven together uh, and to get a picture of where we need to improve. We've got a pretty good idea that you need some goals in there. <laughs> yeah. But I would have thought there's a lot of motivation for those players in there. It's like if you want to be a Chelsea player, if you want to be sort of, even if it's not for them, fighting for the big trophies, then you, I think you can have to previous up to now the end of the season because there's a lot of players there. Yeah. The clubs are going to be looking at and going, well, I'm not going to pick up your wage. So you're even going to have to drop your demands or you're going to have to sit and rot at Chelsea. Can you justify keeping Felix when you're bringing Nkunku in after just investing in uh, Madueke and uh, Mudrick as well? Probably not. No. No, he would have to do something extraordinary, I think. I I tweeted during the World Cup and said, no matter who this guy goes to next, he's going to have to ball immediately because we've put too much pressure on it being just Atletico. Now, he did look instantly like a different player. I'm still not sure he's as clinical as he needs to be as a nine in the league. But then I guess we've got Gabriel Jesus up top. And so you really have to offer everything else. That's it. He's not getting through the work Jesus does. He's not leading the line in the same way. He's No, and then as a winger, they're not going to do it. If Potter's going to change his system and you can then say that one of him and Nkunku are going to be your 10, but that feels like such a risk to have. And then what do you do with Havertz? Because exactly. Havertz, Havertz is one like... Xhaka and like a number of other players in this league that, that we can all slate them every manager picks them yeah I think your hands are somewhat forced to Chelsea though in that he's there uh, and so who else are you going to get in that yeah, in that role I've they've got a few players they're going to have to rip the band-aid off with this year where you can't just go oh he shows me something here and there it's got to be more than that I'd have it to be one of them to me where Chelsea have had this thing weirdly and I don't know why because they've done some bad business to so just accept it sometimes where they don't want to miss out on the guy they don't want him going balling somewhere else so they'll just keep him even though we've had evidence that he's not even necessarily bad but just a, a good player an okay player it's basically what's kept Loftus cheap there but they go, I don't want him going I know what he can do so I don't yeah. want him going and do it somewhere else whereas like he's a good player but he's not going to take Chelsea to another level no. I don't think and they've got a lot of players like that where you're like, uh, it's, it's, I can't even say that you're a bad player, but you've got to show me more than this and they, they don't want to risk it in a way. I remember listening to an Arsenal podcast when we sold Joe Willock and someone on there said, if it gets to the point where we're all in agreement that the player should be sold, then it's probably too late. And, yeah, that's a good point, actually. And mm. you need the ones where there's some kind of debate. So uh, probably the best example for us in this stage is Kieran Tierney. If yeah. everyone unanimously said we need this guy to go, then you probably can't. If we're not fetching a fee for him at that no, stage, exactly. And so Joe Willock was the prime example. Yeah. It was this guy probably can go and be very good somewhere else, but is he taking us to a level that we're not going to get to? Turns out we get twenty-five million for him. We spend thirty-one on Odegaard that summer. It's not bad at all. And so that's how you're supposed to do it with the players that yeah, exactly. you get out. And as you say, Chelsea has so many of them. They had opportunities where you have to take a cut price fee and you could have got rid of ZH to Serie A. You could have just getting a fee because you look at 
Arsenal, you look at some other teams that are going to be doing the same this summer, I would imagine. Guessing a fee sometimes is all you can ask for because mm. it's the wages you need off the books more than anything. And all of those Chelsea players are on more than those Arsenal players were on that we're talking about. It's kind of what we ended up, I don't know it's because you wanted to leave and we respected it, but like we ended up doing with money. Whereas like, well, he's going to go, get something for him. You've got, like I said, a year off his wages. You've got, yeah. I think about 30 million, which is what we spent on him. So you've had basically his whole time from now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got to be done. And the flip side to that, then you'd have someone like Firmino, who we're now going to lose for free. I don't know what we would have picked up for him anyway, but then I think we got something. The conversation last summer it was like, okay, would you rather an extra season of him, and you maybe don't get ten million? And, and, it's like- and let's face it, presumably we would have still had the problems we had this year if Firmino had gone as well. The total opposite to what's being said now would be being said was like, did they try and change too much too quick? Yeah. Whereas now we said we let the squad go old, or whatever. Now it'd be oh well, they lost two of the front three that propelled them to this stage. They shouldn't have got yeah. rid of them uh, in the same window. So you can sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. with some of them. My brother may come in and grab something at some stage, so don't be alarmed if uh, that door opens. I thought you seen <laughs> a bit yeah. Yeah. Um, he's going to look for that down there if uh, the power pack over your shoulder. Oh, thank heavens. Is. I wonder what you're yeah. pointing at. <laughs> no. um, yeah, and even with Leicester, I think it's, it's interesting with them. They're two points off the bottom. And it, it's strange because of the clubs around the bottom they'd probably have the most players that you'd look at and say, yeah, I'll take him. Yet, either the manager's not getting a tune out of them, every other player's not good enough. I'm still firmly on the KDH train. Yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm very... that I'm not going to back down on that one because I think the second I do, then that those stock prices... you got a lot of stock invested in him and Harvey Barnes. Yeah. You've invested a lot in those. Look, I've, I've, probably one podcast we invested a bit in Ian Archer, which <laughs> is a pl- start that plummeted quickly. I, I got some money back from Curtis Jones stocks. I wish I'd waited maybe till after the seven nil. I think <laughs> I could have got maybe a little bit more just for him being on the pitch. Yeah, um, mascot for it. Dewsbury Hall. I feel like if I said you should have gone to the World Cup six months ago, well, four months ago, I probably can't now. <laughs> you're too far in. Sell the stocks immediately. Yeah, you are right. If I was going to sell the stocks on someone, Telemans, my man, it's looking spooky for you. Crashed heavy, hasn't it? Like, That's a Wall Street crash. He He's out for most of the rest of the season and I'm really not sure he's proved his worth this year. If you, It's mad to say that if you went exactly a year ago it seemed a cert that he was joining this Arsenal side. And I said at the time, I thought the issues with his athleticism were overstated. But I also can't see him doing what Xhaka does. And we're saying, as Arsenal fans are collective, look, Xhaka, you've had a good season. You're probably the place we're looking at and saying, we can improve in your areas, take us to another level Mm. in the summer. Telemans would have been the exact same thing and we were talking 120, 140k a week. Yeah. Now I'm I'm looking and saying and would Newcastle take a chance on you? I'm not sure, no. Going sure into and so that rules out because I mean maybe United do it because it's cheap. I can't see it personally. Liverpool, we we know I remember coming on yeah I said that today but I do remember coming on here and saying I read the report from respectable journalists saying this guy was never considered by Klopp like he was very strongly against him Mm. and so 
he's not going there. And then you're looking outside of the top six and it's like, well, where were you? Where's he going to go? Yeah, who is going to pick him up? It's probably going to be a nothing move to yeah. a European club at that point, isn't it? Yeah, you probably maybe like, Atletico seems to just offer places to, <laughs> to players like this. One of the Milan clubs. Do you see Axel Witzel's dad kicking off this week, saying my son's not played enough and he has personally requested a meeting with the manager? Why does any parent ever think that's a good idea? <laughs> yeah, even if you have the most justified argument ever, once you're the mum or dad coming out, it's never going to look just, good. It just seems... Isn't Axel Witzel like well into his first? It's yeah. probably not, What's the thing? Not a it kid. just seems ridiculous like... If your mum maybe says, you know what, I'll ring the dentist for you. You feel quite ridiculous, but at the same time, it's like... That has never happened to me, but I'll take your word. It's like at the same time, I would rather you ring them and make this appointment than I would. <laughs> uh, if I had an issue at work and then mine was like, do you want me to go and speak to your manager yeah. for you? <laughs> Absolutely not. He's not happy with his lunch break. I've got to have a word. Imagine this. like any other profession. Imagine you got in trouble at work and you were like... And your boss is saying, look, I've scheduled a meeting for us at 10 past 11 on Friday. And you're going, all right, I'm, my mum's going to come in as well. But I you- always thought this, you know, we're like, um, especially where like young players talk about, um, oh, so when you first went for a meeting with the club, he's like, yeah, yeah, well, I didn't have an agent, so I brought my dad in. Imagine if the first job interview you went to, you took your dad in, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's like, well, I've got to discuss terms. He needs to be here to discuss terms. So I wouldn't feel comfortable otherwise. I would. They'd be looking at you like, what the hell is this I guy? I would love the idea of like in, in a contact center, you turning up like, my agent, he's going to negotiate a salary for me. <laughs> yeah. So if you could speak to him. He just, he does just looking over this contract saying, I can't, I can't. I agree to that 25 days annual leave and that we're going to need 28. It's, it's actually quite stressful for me. So, um, my representatives will be in touch <laughs> before we, before we agree anything. Because, look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big agencies that are really interested in me. <laughs> yeah. The Axel Vitzel, you, you can't be doing that. On the topic of Leicester though, I've got them going down. Ooh, okay, I've got them. Do they down. sack Brendan before that, or do they say, "Look, Brendan would be the best manager in the championship"? Yeah, I've got a weird feeling they're gonna just find themselves in the spot where they're like, "Oh, we're going down, aren't we?" And then I saw an article- be, it almost be too late by the time they end up there. I saw an article about West Ham, and um, it just basically said, "While every other club is acknowledging this, those at West Ham just kind of think, well, this is gonna sort itself out.'" And it's like, that has never gone well for any club before. <laughs> no, and they look, again, like a sinking ship as well. They would be right in there. Um, you know that that clip of, uh, there was the news story of uh, someone was selling cocaine out of like a burger restaurant and they interviewed the guy on the news and he's like, what? <laughs> what? And the last like West Ham with like three games to go and you're like... <laughs> David Sullivan being told you're about to be relegated. <laughs> like, you're, two, you're two points ahead of the bottom. What? I can't believe... What? Um... Yeah, I, I just think Leicester have the most gutless team. I don't think they've got the stomach for a fight. I think Danny Ward will get you running again as well. Yeah. I think he's... You don't like to pin it on someone. He's so bad. Every game where you think, even when Leicester are in it, he'll throw one in and you're like, you aren't even giving him a chance here. We did our, our post-World Cup pod and we were doing the uh, 11s of the World Cup. And I remember Livakovic and uh, Unahi, and we were reading that you could get both of them for a combined like 35 million. And it was like, these seem just like tailor-made for Leicester. Yeah. Like they need someone to come in that Tielemans isn't cutting it anymore. Madison is so injured. And you need a guy that can harbour some defensive responsibility while being a creator and someone that can dictate a game. And Unahi was like, look, this guy might have to bulk up a bit, but 
can he not do exactly what at least what Fabio Vieira is able to do for us? Like we can play Fabio Vieira against a third of the teams in the league mm. and he can compete physically. Ultimately, there are enough keepers out there that we know are prem standard. We don't know how is there particularly like better than that, but just good enough for this league. Danny Ward is clearly not good enough for the league. Uh, it's not even like close. Well, we, He's as bad as I've seen. We had it. They let start. They let Schmeichel go, and I remember being on the way to uh, the Emirates to face Leicester for what must have been our second game of the season. Maybe it's our first home game of the year. And I'm seeing it's like, it's like Leicester's third choice keeper. They've got in goal today. And I think he made a nice save early and then you have the Jesus one from the corner that he like chips in and then there's another one and then, I mean, Jesus could have had like six that day. <laughs> but I remember we had a couple of howlers and it's sort of surely they're, they're going to get someone in before the end of the window. And then they brought in a backup to Danny Ward on <laughs> deadline day. It was on Brendan, come on. The assistant to the assistant manager. God, I actually think if they think Brendan's going to rock with them in the championship, Ooh, I think Brendan's-, <laughs> Brendan's getting out of town. He can't believe they haven't binned him. Yeah, he can't believe he's still in employment. I'm sure of it. Do you think before he's getting paid off? Because he's getting linked with every job now. When um, Ange Postecoglou gets snapped up by some Premier League team, do you think Brendan's going to go? Look, can, maybe we let bygones be bygones. <laughs> like, like we both helped each other. I can come back if you need me to. I think no, I don't think he does. But yeah, I like you. I like you thinking it would be some great nerve. Yeah, I thought. I mean, we were saying a while back that he should have quit and waited for at least the United job. That hasn't aged well. I was saying on here maybe eighteen months ago that indeed he was the next big mm. Premier League sale, and I said I could see him at United for eighty. Yeah, and yeah, that hasn't yeah, happened. Stock has fallen for a lot of those players. What I see, the best way is when you see how fans of that team actually speak about their player. Yeah. Because we we had it with... Uh, I guess Xhaka's a good example. Like, when we were saying he was bad and other teams were saying, well, he's clearly not that bad. And then when he was playing well and other people don't believe it and Eddie up front, whoever. When the players are bad and other people are telling you, like Tielemans, Leicester fans are saying, look, this guy hasn't tried all year. And we're all saying, why is Tielemans on the bench? I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why you get the, these good examples. And the Leicester players are like, oh, fuck me. Indeed, he's playing. That's no mobility in the middle then. Problem is, we could do bring Samari in. <laughs> now, there's yeah. a horrible player. Well, Mendy's still clocking about. He's got like two goals now this season after not scoring in God knows how long. But they're, they're a funny bunch. And Madison's getting a move regardless. His biggest battle for the rest of the season would be proving fitness because at the moment the amount of money Leicester are going to ask for you need to show a club that you can put together a sustainable run of games because if you can uh, say it was just one injury they tried rushing me back and it kind of set me back again we can accept that if it becomes the, the same injury and then you're out for four games yeah. and you're out for six games or just two games and then we're going to go well why would I pay over 50 million for you agreed because Newcastle seems the one. I think Newcastle, from the links I'm seeing for this summer, they're buying Prem experienced players. And Arteta's, nine of his 21 signings have been from the Premier League now. So you can see the value placed in that. Tierney seems the most obvious one for them. And it seems the most obvious sale for us to them because they're the only team that's going to have the money to pay. Similar with Madison, isn't it? They're yeah. the only team that's going to cough up the money that Leicester want, yeah. who also have a need for that type of player. 
um, and we'll take the chance on it. You feel like, like you said, with that, if he particularly gets another injury, is someone like Spurs going to do that? Probably not. And because of the position Leicester are in, sometimes you would have it that Arsenal want to sell, say, I'm trying to think, Seth Fabregas, and say at the time United you came in and said, we'll give you 40 million for him. There's a pillar on there, everyone. And then at the same time, Barcelona came in and said, you know, we'll give you 30 million for him. Then we take 10 million less to not sell him to United so because they're a rival. Yeah. Um, Leicester, these guys that you thought we were ops, they aren't anymore. <laughs> so whether you sell to Spurs, Newcastle, you're not competing with them. It doesn't matter. So you may as well take the most money that's on the table. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, on to Spurs. Spurs have done what Spurs do here. Like they went out of Europe midweek without a fight. All Spurs fans you speak to kind of just don't care anymore, which is worse for the club than when the fans are angry. Yeah. Really. Because then there would be points and it sounds like my entire life has been horrible watching Arsenal when, when my experiences come up on here. But in terms of going to games they largely have been. <laughs> and I would go to an Arsenal game under Unai Emery because I'm at least going to have the emotion there. I'm at least going to be angry at what I was seeing. And towards the end, it was like, he's not going to get sacked. We're going to lose. What is, <laughs> what what is we the point? <laughs> and I was still going, but it was like, stand, stand up and clap for a goal and then just have the opportunity to maybe hope that these these people hear my voice among the 60,000 saying they're shit. <laughs> and Spurs fans now, I think they're in the stage where fans are like, what's the point in going for Forest at the weekend? Like, we've just gone out to Milan. What are we What are we playing for? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I don't think we'll speak much about this Forest game, more what's come from it. Richarlison came out after the Milan game... <laughs> cursing the season as being shit, moaning that Conte doesn't play him enough. We've seen this at other clubs before, but it's usually when the guy on the bench keeps scoring and he's not being rewarded with a start. We spoke about Mudrick earlier. We've got 0027 here with Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got more like three assists and zero goals. You've got some nerve. And Spurs fans say he has been better than the alternatives when he has played, but they can say that. You can't come out with this chat when you're a striker that someone signed for 60 million and has no goals since September if you scored in one game that's insane I hadn't even it says a lot about his interview that I really brought that to the fore as yeah. well because it really brought oh those stats are coming out I hadn't really fully clocked it I thought it'd been like a disappointing year but not that he bad he scored against uh, Marseille he scored too late I think they were two back post headers not that they all count but mm. it's not that like a 60 million striker, you see the flack that Jesus is getting. I mean, if only they could take those Brazil goals and put them into the Spurs team because I was getting bantered by Spurs fans for Jesus not playing games. It turns out he got injured anyway, but I was getting bantered like it was affecting our league position that Richarlison was starting for... I maintain that goal wasn't that great. Still. It's a very good goal. Um, the... Um yeah, the issue is that he'll use that as an example of, look, you trust me to be the main man. That's what happens. He'll point to his international form. But the point is, that 
he has had enough, I think, game time to show more than he's shown. I think he's been okay in flashes that I've seen of him, but he's got to give you a little bit more. And that was, I was down on the signing in the summer <laughs> in that I didn't think he was worth that money anyway. I thought he isn't going to start. If the front three are firing, he won't start. And the son has been god awful most of the <laughs> yeah. season. But I don't think Richardson in for him is a perfect fit anyway. The, the perfect thing is when he would be him playing the Kane role. You're not going to drop Kane for well, him. Briefly- and so £60 million pound for Spurs is a lot of money for what will be a backup striker. <laughs> and I also said, this backup striker, how long will you keep him happy for? He doesn't strike me as a personality that's going to go, I'll sit on the bench for you. He'll think he's good enough to start. They briefly tried that 3-5-2, didn't they? Where they were playing Kane and then one of Son or Richarlison up top. Yeah. And then he even wasn't banging when they were playing that. So. And then you've got to factor in that You've got to find a way to get Kuliszewski in there. They do look a lot less creative when he doesn't play. I mean, so I mean, he's got two goals all season. I know he's been injured, but still, mine and Sean's bet on that is just fucking all over the place. <laughs> Him and Luis Diaz, yeah. it's just. Uh, I was I was in the barbers on Saturday, and uh, there was a Spurs fan in there who was taking it from all angles, as you can imagine. And he was quite a sight in the barbers. Yeah, he was being asked about Richarlison, and he was like, "Well, look at Brazil. Like, obviously." he's got better players around him there. And then I said, well, why was he better at Everton then? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a fucking asking point. Than he, than he is here. And then, I hate to break it to you, you're probably yeah. not bringing in Vinny Jr., lads. Yeah. <laughs> you have to figure like, it out. Oh, well, he was the main man there. It's like, oh, we're not saying he should be putting up Harry Kane numbers. And we had a whole section prepared about how shitty his goal scoring record was. And then we did the pod a day later and he just banged two against Arsenal. So we put that to one side. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what they were trying to sign with there. And yet, I think you may have said this previously, the the most mental thing is that if Spurs put him on the market today, he would have all the top clubs in from again. It is odd, isn't it? Yeah, it is odd. I'm not, I'm not che- sure what people think they're missing out on if they don't Chelsea get tried to hijack the deal like they do with every deal <laughs> yeah. at, at yeah. the last minute and they were offering the 60 million as well. I mean, I guess the only comfort as a Chelsea fan, if you go, him and that number nine shirt would be oh, scary. I don't, I don't know with him, but Conte came out and said, you know, he was talking about himself. He hit him with the, I know you are, but what am I? And said, he's right, his season has been shit. <laughs> Conte. From is, both of them, just a great like lack of responsibility being taken there. Conte is like this shit season just been inflicted upon both of them yeah with no control that either of them had on it and then I mean the most Spurs thing ever he thinks he scored in the first two minutes and I'm I'm still not sure about that offside call but him shushing as a celebration again was more shameful than when Maguire did it for England who are you shushing (laughs) what were we wrong about (laughs) you scoring a goal against Forest what would that have changed didn't Bruno do that in the week as well yeah he did he did still get dunked on 7-0 he He did. did and then everyone was like crying around him like he's had a really hard week he's been really uh, like mischaracterised it's like so you're still a prick he's had a tough week Casemiro's nearly murdered someone and been sent off for it can you believe the audacity of them to red card him tough week for everyone involved Kane puts them up 1-0 after 19 minutes and they get a penalty 16 minutes later I know he's chasing that record am I crazy to say that he should let Richarlison take one of these nah nah I shouldn't no he's you reckon? He's, he's your penalty taker. Get them in. Look, they're not in a position where they can fuck around either. I don't think so. I mean, if this was three or four nil, 
You might go, but oh, they've had opportunities out. like that. There was one, and then Kane like valued a hat trick over Richarlison having a penalty in the season. Yeah, it, it feels wild to me because I I was looking at we had Abamyang and Lacazette both desperate for a goal, and we had Pepe that was struggling, and they let him take a penalty, and this was a crunch game mental now against Aston Villa under Emery. We were two 0 down, we came back and won four two. And we let Pepe step up in that instance. Is that are we think Pepe's penalty taken record was also really good though? Yeah. So is, is, I don't know about Charleston's. No, but my point is, he, there's an argument he could be the strongest penalty taker. Yeah, there's no yeah, argument. Harry fair. Kane is their best penalty taker. Yeah, just seems sometimes if you want to get people firing. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't look at Charleston and think he's lacking confidence. No, that's so. fair. It was just an interesting one. I, I saw it in the week and look, it suits me. I'll keep running the... Ag- I'm going to run the agenda either way, but it helps when you don't have the goal. It just rolls off the tongue a bit better. Um, I, I don't know. Not for Harry, it doesn't. It seems an odd one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I've asked this question before. Spurs are four points clear in fourth currently. Admittedly, Newcastle have two games in hand and they still have to play each other at St. James's. Why are their fans so much unhappier this year? Uh, I do think there's probably just a shelf life on the brand of football being played as well. And I think, well, let's face it, the payoff for that is always success. So you go, I will put up with the poor quality football because this is going to get us and then insert your expectations. So league title, Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, whatever. Going out of the Cups, going out in the manner they did, obviously going out to Sheffield United is unforgivable. I, the manner of which they went out to Milan, which they would have probably considered a decent draw in the Champions League. They didn't amass uh, a goal of XG over the two legs. And, you know, you've got whoever the manager was and whatever the situation, the subbing on Davinson Sanchez late on for... Insane. is It was Kuliszewski took off. Yeah. It? yeah, it's just like the most unforgivable move you can make. So... Those things, I think, just compound. I think they just get, as time goes on, it just gets worse and worse. And like I said, the payoff for Conte is supposed to be success. If you don't have success, there's no reason for him being there. And that's You're not building towards something. It's not a project. Resting players in the cup was just insane to me. Insane. Came out of the Everton game and it was all right, check the scores because I couldn't get any signal in the Emirates. You know how bad that is. Getting halfway down the road trying to get the score. And I... Finally got some, and it was like, ah, oh, United 3-1. Look down, it's, Spurs are losing to Sheffield. <laughs> and seeing that on the way down, it's like, oh, please, I hope they don't uh, pull this back. And we looked at the team, and it was like, they've brought on Harry Kane as a sub. Now, I was speaking to a Spurs fan at work. Harry Kane as a sub just doesn't seem to work. Like That is true, yeah. Yeah. Some players, I guess, just need the feel for the game. Yeah, because he has really the only chance supposedly in that game for them late on and but it's I mean you should be able to rotate and beat Sheffield United as well you shouldn't just it shouldn't be just an abject sort of defeat no but that is one of them where if we'd drawn them in the cup I'd have gone oh that looks a bit sticky yeah exactly and also you know it does fall into the old argument of get the game won and then you can take people like Kane off in a game like that also the thing I find odd about Conte and maybe look maybe this is just his cut record as a manager hasn't always been fantastic. No. So maybe this is part of that leaking in. But also, I just would have thought, 
this situation he's found himself in at Spurs, I thought for self-preservation, you would prioritise things like cups. Because you can go, right, I'm a winner. I won this trophy for Spurs or got them as close as they could, for example. If you go out to City or whatever, it's a different story, isn't it? And you can go, this is not me. That's just that club. That club is just infected with something. I can't win there. But trust me, I'm still a winner. Whereas instead now, we've watched him throw in the towel basically against Milan. Anger at a whimper against Sheffield United. Yeah. And then he said And it has damaged his reputation though. He said, look at the prestige of Milan in this competition, and it's like, don't pull that one on us. Yeah, no football heritage, yeah, no, thank you. Because Italian clubs are shit in England. Like we're well aware of that fact for a start. And also and they they didn't put in a great performance. They won one nil and No, my Spurs in that second leg should have been able to overcome them. My takeaway over the two legs and uh I made the correct decision once I realised how shit the PSG game was to say, I'm going to switch over and bank on Spurs not winning this and I'm going to enjoy that instead. Turned up to your biggest haters funeral again, didn't you? Exactly. Brahim Diaz looks that guy. Like uh, Watching him, sometimes you only need to see a player for like 15 seconds and you know whether they have it or they don't. And he looks, we think Madrid are going to, bring him back in the summer and just I'm sure take the loss on Asensio he's going to go as a free and he can just step into those shoes instead yeah some club is going to do something stupid with Asensio someone's going well, to roll the, the dice the, it's, it's we believe he's going to Barca yeah <laughs> when I say the club's going to do something stupid I don't know if you did the thing with uh, Gabby today what's that they haven't been able to process his contract extension he's back on his youth contract so he, ha- <laughs> he now has to wear the number 30 again and oh, he's fuck, got he's got f- he's got three months left on his deal that they have to try and pull some levers to be able to uh, activate his. Contract. Let's get in there, boys. The only thing I saw from him today was him throwing himself headfirst into a <laughs> yeah. challenge, John Terry style. Love that. Um, is is Conte trying to get sacked? Is is the other theory because this guy he hates Tottenham. <laughs> he hates them. <laughs> he hates those fans. Yeah, I, I think he wouldn't mind being sat here. Yeah, he I think said he multiple mind. times, and look, this I have some sympathy with. He's obviously had a lot, lost a lot of people close to him in a short period of time, but I've never seen something like it before. And we, we had it um, earlier in the season. I think maybe they lost to Wolves or someone like that, where he was basically saying, "Look, they have to realise if I'm the guy for them or not. That maybe they can get someone better." And he was basically, "Go on, sack me, sack me." Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, sort of agitating for either a second, or whether he was just trying to put the pressure on the board. But well, people were saying at the time that there's he, so much you can do. That he was trying to get a reaction out of the players, and he basically was saying, "My team is shit. What am I supposed to do with this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he would he would just come up with odd things at at weird times where he'd say, "This probably wasn't needed now," and then he would come up with something post game. It's we look. I know there's been a lot of parallels drawn between them. It's a lot of similarities with Jose, where things that he once did, he starts overusing and using them inappropriately, and it, and it wears out. Where it goes from being Jose used to be able to create a siege mentality of us against the world, and it went to just he's a paranoid wreck. Well, Carragher said this season, and Neville always holds this against him, but I actually think one of the best things Carragher does. I mean, we've done about an hour and a half, and this is the first Gary Neville. Talk slander. One of the best things Carragher does is admit, not even that he was wrong at the time, but that things have changed and that he has a different opinion now. Mm-hmm. And I think he said after we beat them at home that, look, I was wrong previously. I actually don't believe you can win a league playing the style of football that he does now. And so 
all they really have to focus on is the cups because the best you can have is like a Champions League qualification. And in pre-season, Gary Neville was saying, look, the only person that they compete with Liverpool and City is Spurs. Um, how, Ouch. how that's changed. Conte, yeah, it looks like we've heard so much in pre-season about him like battering the players with these horrible, torturous camps, which maybe in a season when we had a World Cup wasn't the best idea. Jack said he was going to drill them. Yeah. It turns out he drilled them too hard. And you see now that they're being linked with Luis Enrique, who supposedly has said he wouldn't be averse to taking that job. I see a bit of fear in your eyes there, Luke. Is it not crazy when you've just invested over 200 million in players for a back five? <laughs> like, like Romero, and I'm going to ask you something about him in just a second. Him in a back four. Scary season. I cannot wait. And then you you signed Porro in January for 50 million. That guy is not a fullback for a back four. No, no, that would, yeah, that would be a concern. Um, but I guess you say you'll figure it out. You say a good manager. It, the thing is, it's not like we're looking at Spurs going, well, they're on the cusp of doing something here. So you're not, if they were really close to winning trophies or top of the league or something, you'd go, you don't want to mess this up as it is. Yeah. Give it to someone like Luis Enrique. You'd think, you'd think the only way is up. They're not going to play worse than they're currently playing in terms of style of play. No. Um, and is Romero finally getting found out? Red card in a massive game for Spurs, their biggest game of the season outside of the two they lost to us. Eight yellows and two reds in his last 12 games. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can only run away from the officials for so long is the thing. It's once, <laughs> he once, tried lying on the ground to avoid them. It didn't work. <laughs> once they... And it will go the other way where he'll probably start picking up a lot more cards than he probably deserves even because reputation will earn you that. So, But that's still the reputation that you've earned, I'm afraid. Has that ever worked where you stay on the deck long enough that the referee goes, you know what, I've changed my mind here. I'm actually not going to book you or send you off. No, no. I get players still try it. We used to have this thing at uh, school. If one of us, if you got into trouble, um, Sean would do it where if he got into trouble, he just wouldn't look at the teacher. <laughs> and I don't know whether he thought this would get him out of jail, but obviously without fail, the, the teacher would reprimand him. And he would just literally, to the point where he would go like, under his desk and look in his bag. And just like, what, what do you think's happening here? This isn't getting you out of trouble at all. And I guess that's the, uh, the player version of that. What else have we got? Um, I didn't realise there were so many talking points. I said at the start, I thought we were going to be uh, struggling here. Mm. Um, Leeds Brighton. Can Brighton actually get Champions League football? They're in seventh place at the moment, three games in hand on fourth and nine points back. I actually think they'll go closer than you would think. Um, Drawing away at Leeds, not the best. That's not ideal, is it? No. But um, yeah, just because of the inconsistency of the three teams that are being talked about is in that race. I do think I did have a quick look at some of Brighton's fixtures and I think I'll pick up a, a nicer points total than we probably imagine. It won't just be a plucky underdog story, no. but uh, I think that's still just about full short. How badly are they going to get raided in the summer? Like Of these players, how many do you think are still there come the start of next season? Matoma, McAllister, Caicedo. We also don't hear much about Solly March and uh, Pascal Gross, who are also balling as well. Agreed. I'm especially... I'd be a very surprised if Solly March doesn't start getting linked just because that profile of the player will always pick up. Um, maybe 
I don't know how much or how little influence whether the manager's still there will determine it, whether that might change it. Um, they don't might... sell your players cheap either, as uh, I'm well aware. Yeah. I mean, Caicedo just signed a death contract, didn't he? Yeah. I, we don't, I'm well aware of any clause in there. I think it's just to get him over that reported three and a half grand a week he was on. but Which I didn't believe. I, the, you don't uh, need to give Brighton any more strength because if you didn't know, Tony Bloom plays poker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the uh, And the other thing was they were willing to say, look, 100 million, no, you don't get him in January. What are they going to do now? He's on a five-year contract. Yeah. I personally, I think that was his window to go. I don't think anyone's going to cough up that money. No. And maybe not as sharply a drop-off, but you could have a Tillerman situation where a year or two down the line, you're like, what the hell are we talking about? I think we're all pretty certain McAllister goes. I actually think he would be my number one choice to replace Xhaka. Um, really? Arteta has some idea with Rice, and I don't know where he's taking the system. I think he's going to tweak it even more, so maybe it's... I feel ridiculous when you start talking in terms of the formations, like the two, three, whatever. Like you see the patterns of build at play, but so I won't go down that line. But I think I saw a graph that showed uh, the amount of players that each team gets in the box on attack, and we're second to City, I believe. And so I think we want to get extra players in the box because you just suffocate teams in, and maybe. That's what Rice is there to do, but McAllister feels like so tailor made for that Xhaka spot. That it does seem like he would have a little bit more responsibility in the Xhaka role, just in terms yeah. of would have to do a little bit more of the dirty work than I think he can currently get away with at Brighton. But I won't complain if it's Declan Rice. I won't, I've not really seen much of this uh, Zubamendi outside of compilations no. where he looks very good and he's kind of being linked to the right clubs. I, I don't know, but yeah, McAllister. Someone's going to go all in on them, Matoma, aren't they? See, he's the one I think I'm kind of most confident he'll still be there. Really? Because I think... I mean, they'll charge a whack. That's, if, if that's what I think. And I think in terms of wingers, I think there's enough out there that you can find someone. Mm. Um, everyone, because of the way Brexit rules have impacted work permits, I, I don't know why it's easier to sign someone from Brazil than it is from like Portugal but that seems to be the case and so all the teams are kind of focusing now on the few Brazilian players that their club doesn't come out as as a 16 year old and be like he's worth 80 million by the way <laughs> next Pele promise so I think people have realised you look at someone like Paulinho that's coming at Fulham this season and he cost them 20 million and now I've read that he's being linked to Liverpool for 60, 60 million in the yeah. summer and yeah, it's like he's no different of a player than he was six months ago when he was signed for 20 million. And we heard him this, the same talk about him when he was signed that we were quite excited at what we were going to see. And it's just big teams. I know kind of the, the beauty in some regards is that uh, you let other teams do the dirty work of development. And that's why you pay the premium because you don't have to faff about with that. But, some of the players that have signed in recent years, like Enzo and Caicedo and Palinia, to a more expensive extent, everyone in Europe knew these players were good. Yes, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Especially like the Portuguese league, there seemed to be such a, a sort of a lottery feel to clubs going like, I will take a chance on you. So I've seen enough of Darwin to go, you know what, we'll go for you. 
But then we'll look at Paulino. Like I said, we all knew that this guy had something, but we didn't know, was this just the league flattering him or he had it? And so, well, okay, we'll let someone else do that. Well, you'd go, oh, 20 million for, what's that to a club now? You have, may, yeah. may as well, may as well uh, take a punt. But. Well, we think that United now, they're like two of their main targets for the summer are going to be Gonzalo Ramos, mm. who... I mean, he's got a premium on his... Yeah, Jesus. and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that one, but that could age horribly. And Diego Costa, who we shared our thoughts on after the World Cup. Red flags for me. And so that could be, and that's Portuguese league again. I don't know if it's... Um, I, I've, got, I've got to tell you, look, when we watched, went to watch Sport in Lisbon, Sebastian Coates was balling out. So I've just got to warn everybody. They could, look, he is obviously better than he was, but He looked like a right piece of shit against us on Thursday. He's a right chopsy bloke. I had no clue he had that. that you got to realise, uh, Uruguayan. Yeah. Got that dog. So the next one is that... Um, Manuel Ugart if oh <laughs> we're watching the Irish League here someone's Jesus. just got a bang. Crusaders bagging um, yeah he looks like the next guy and he has like uh, those FB ref um, maps where it kind of the pizza charts things like that hmm. he is close to Rice in the way he matches on one of those and he's available for like 20 million and so some team is probably in Spain is going to pick him up and then a Premier League team is going to come down the line and offer about 80. It is weird. I, yeah, I do remember reading an article on that way that they were saying like, look, these clubs are happy to go, you trial him and then we'll play, like you said, play, pay the premium afterwards, which just considering how like finely run these clubs are as businesses, that seems an odd thing well, to do. Well, it was just signing and loaning. Like that was the, all the rage for a while. <laughs> Chelsea have killed it for everyone, maybe. Ruined the game. Uh, Robert Sanchez has been dropped by Brighton because Deserbi says he can't play on the ball as much as he would like. Seems a lot of time for that. For one, I think Jason Steele kept uh, two clean sheets in his first two games, one in the FA Cup, and he was like, look, I think this guy's been at the club a long time. He deserves the opportunity to show that he's good enough. That's a huge call. Bad look for De Gea that however he is with his feet, the Spanish coaches still say he's better than him. <laughs> could could he be the man now to replace like Lloris next season? Like if we think they're going to stick Robert with a similar Sanchez. manager. Yeah. Hmm. We were all raving about him. Like we, we all raved about him. And then we had a phase where we were like, actually no, Jose Sars the guy. And then he's had a couple of howlers. And then it kind of went back to Sanchez. And then David Raya and Raya is the most hot and cold Guy, like I can entirely see why he was the guy we wanted before Ramsdale. But yeah, I can yeah. also see what a terrifying bloke he would have been to having goal. Sanchez, he's not going to struggle for a new club in the summer if if it goes that way. No, the Spurs could do worse than him. It'd be interesting to see though. Does he be saying that? How much his stock does just drop off of that? That's a pretty extraordinary yeah. thing for a manager to come out and say, particularly mid-season. Well, he's my guy in dinner. draft, so I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, I think he's in my regular team, actually. I hadn't clocked that he hadn't played. Yeah, I took him out for uh, Steele on uh, Good chance. for Saturday, and then he conceded two to Leeds, so Ouch. Uh, not quite a double game week I was looking for. Um, a little bit on Everton-Brentford. Um, rare, an early goal for Dwight McNeil was enough to see them pass Brentford. Not much to say on the game, but that's wins for Deitch now against Arsenal, Leeds and Brentford. They lost 
to Villa, but he's he's won every other game at Goodison. And that's really what he needs to keep them up. After Bournemouth go and beat you, I bet they were like, well, I really hope Brentford do us a favour today. And then Everton go and win and it's like, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) They now have remaining games at Goodison against Spurs, Fulham, Newcastle, Man City and Bournemouth on the last day. Huge. Not many easy ones there where they can stamp their authority on them. Maybe that's not what they want at Goodison, though. Maybe they do want those kind of games. That could look... If Spurs don't score early... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it won't be a pleasant game for the neutrals to watch. Deichbor versus Conte ball is not <laughs> going to be the prettiest. Um, yeah, I think I think they will just about get it done. I think those home games, they'll pick up some wins in there. I was looking at... I looked at all their fixtures. I knew we were going to be touching on some of the relegation teams. Look at all the fixtures, and I think there's going to be a few clubs who get in around. I think the 36 point mark is going to be in and around it, and I think Everton will just about get that and just about do it. I think they're they're done, but I really like so many of these Southampton players. Like I'd really like them to stay up, and they usually cost us points every season. But I, this, so I've, I've definitely got them going down. I really like Alcaraz, and I hadn't mm. heard of him till the day he was linked, and then I watched him. This guy looks like they. They look like a little too late. They've started doing business the right way. When you look at the likes of Lavia and you look at Alcaraz and some of these You're going to look at the Nathan Jones uh, appointment and you're like, what the hell were they doing? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? We all wondered a little bit what they were doing at the time, but uh, post-sacking, especially, you can go, what the hell? And that's probably going to be what's going to cost them. Yeah. Away games for Everton at Chelsea, United, Palace, Leicester, Brighton and Wolves. You know, Palace are all over the shop at the minute. And would you... We're getting into the nitty-gritty. Deitch is Everton going away to Leicester. Who would you back? That's a bit of a scrap in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. So I think he... The appointment of Deitch gives them the best chance of staying up. And I think by the skin of their teeth, they'll get it done, personally. It would be so Leicester to bring in Frank. It would be so <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> Palace, Man City, this game had my head on Mars. I have a thing with City where I basically watch until they score and then I switch over and it's like, yep. no need to see any more of this. And Palace made them sweat. Get you honest. <laughs> which was the worst. So they needed a second half penalty from Haaland to break the resistance of Palace, I guess. Um, they came out fast. Rodri had a volley that nearly went in Grealish had a shot that he pulled just wide but City started looking like they were having a hard time breaking them down they weren't too sure what to do Alvarez hit one over on around 60 minutes and they looked like they didn't know what to do they catch Palace short on a corner and they play it short Elise runs into him like he misses the ball and just keeps running like like he's the water boy brainless bits of defending I've seen in a long time and City are probably the best at, if we're putting it nicely, making sure the referee realises they've been fouled. (laughs) Gundogan, he's not knocked off his feet. Actually, jumps in the air. So he's definitely not knocked off his feet. But he jumps in the air, the referee points to the spot, and it was kind of like, that's annoying, but I can't really complain too much. No. The issue really was Grealish... 
he's the worst at making sure the referee knows he's been touched, not necessarily fouled, and yet the referees still buy it. He was flinging himself all over this game. He pushed Sahar at one point and then does a runner and then he's squaring up to someone else. He's such a prick. <laughs> wow. So if you hate it on Jack Grealish. I hate almost all of this City team at this stage. <laughs> Weird that. Yeah, can't figure that one out. Um, I'm even on board with the Bernardo Silva thing, which I was criticising Liverpool fans for. Not really when I thought it was going to be you two at the top. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's all coming out. They're just... I guess part of it is when I hear, heard Arteta speak after we played Everton and their time wasting in Bournemouth and he kind of said, look, they've got to do what they've got to do that gives them the best chance of winning. You kind of feel like City with the money they've spent, the the things that we can levy against them that we know they're doing and we're probably just quite sure they're not going to get a punishment for. It feels like they should be above some of these antics and yet, they do them more than almost anyone else. The rotational fouling they have on a lock, whenever there's they play a team like Palace, they'll just switch around. They'll, they'll just take three kicks on Zahar each and they'll all get away with it. It's so horrible to watch. And yet, what I was thinking about on Saturday was, I had this nightmare that United like seriously get their shit together in the summer. And they're embroiled in a title race with City. And then they dock City points. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that would be a, that'd be a rough season. And that was my, my real fear. I mean, it's not impossible either. No, That's this not... season, it, it was like, just... And Gary Neville... <laughs> there it is. Sam Matterface gets accused of this, where they say that... Um, he writes like a script. He tries to do the Drury. And it's kind of like, in, like, I've done similar for the podcast. I've got these notes, so I'm saying them. <laughs> and Foden did like a nice enough pass early on and Neville went straight on and he said, you know, it's like I've been saying now for weeks and people think I'm getting on to these clubs or whatever. You need your best players to really be hitting form at this stage of the season. And Phil Foden, you look at last week, he's found it. And he always does it at this stage of the season. He was horrible from that point onwards. He's <laughs> got a goal against no, Newcastle that takes a deflection and goes in after a run where nobody challenges him. And, I mean, the tweets I saw in the week of, is he the best player when he's on his game? I mean, look, when he's on his game, he's what, four times a season at this stage. And mm. then Haaland gets this penalty buries it as we all expected and he's, he's, he's running off this spiel about Haaland being a machine despite the fact he has three in his last nine in all competitions and it just doesn't match what we're seeing on the screen and he was just giving all of this stuff you know City they do this and the difference in tone when Arsenal scrape a win to when City scrape a win from the pundits is just crazy it is a hard place to go, Palace, and we didn't get much credit for that on the opening day. City did what they had to do, but they're talking about them adapting their style, and when we win like that, it's, we're questioned for a lack of goals. I still think at some point they are going to be on it, but I think they said on commentary that City have only won three games in a row twice this season. So if they play like that against a better side, they're not going to do much. You can see why teams do just sit in. Hmm. But Palace haven't had a shot on target for 
three the games. last three games now. Yeah, I saw that start. And Not good. During the game, they said that Palace haven't won a game in 2023. But then I was looking at their performance against Liverpool. I was looking at their performance against City. And it's, I can see why this works against a certain team. Unfortunately, we've got them on Sunday. And Zahar's going to have his annual, you should assign me and not Pepe performance. Yeah. And I don't follow many, uh, I don't follow any um, one Palace fan. Um, I was questioning how I would feel if Elise had just done that with the body language that he has, because he does exude that I don't care energy. And he obviously does, but I don't want to see a guy kind of brushing it off after you've just cost aside, cost us uh, two points in a game like that. No. No, agreed. It must be infuriating for your teammates as well. You've yeah. worked hard for that. and Basically, you've kept City out outside of a penalty, which yeah. is perfect for what you would have you would have wanted. Um, the biggest crime Vieira has is persisting with IU. Because <laughs> yeah. you can't even point, because I've looked at all of them, you can't even point to the analytics for him and say, this is why he's in the side. You don't have the Weghorst uh, defensive pressures and all of these <laughs> kind of things like that. There is, there is no, there is nothing there other than the guys on the bench are Edward and um, Mateta, and maybe he's saying like I trust him more than I trust them. Watch Mateta and Liverpool if I fall, can't do that again. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's horrible, but yeah, the, the concerning thing for Vieira is obviously he's not been in this situation before where it's starting to fall away a little bit. You wonder how he's going to deal with that. The reassuring thing is... He got sacked at Nice, I think. The reassuring thing is that they do seem to be able to fall back on some of their old qualities that they had in the Roy, where it was, we're organised, we're hard to beat, not particularly entertaining, but no. we'll get it done. And it looked like they were good value for the point against Liverpool. Liverpool were bad, but notwithstanding, they should have got something against City. So if they can be hard to beat in some of those games, it's just also, I did see some of their games were there at home where they're going to have to show you a little bit yeah. more than that. But you've got individual talents like Zaha, Elise when he's on it, Eze. He's not found a way to get all three of them in the same team either. No, I think in truth you can only have two of them in that team. I'm not sure you can You Can, can you not the three. one of them try, can you not, I guess Zaha down the middle takes away a lot of his best qualities. But. That's it. And we've seen him try it with him and it's he does his best, but it's tough for him. I'm still as all in on Zaha as I could be. Um, I know you I, I don't think there's room like... I've kind of put thin to the side of us bringing him in. There's very few sides in the league that I don't think he starts for. I'm I'm that all in on him. And uh, I think he starts for United right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yet people talk yeah, about you know, him. People talk about him in such a way that I find crazy because he does whinge a lot, but also look, he gets battered every single game. I, I see the fouls that Grealish gets, and if Saka or Zahar got those fouls, they'd be laughing. What are you trying to say? Yeah. Well, I mean, Zahar is the most fouled player in the league every season, and then you watch what happens to him, and you think he could get double that, or yeah. at least team should get booked. I'm not surprised he's on edge every single game, and I think if you asked him not to be like that, you're going to take away a large part of his game, but I think we're both in the, the only problem is I think Greenish looks for it more than Zahar in fairness but there is a degree to which they sometimes slow their teams down with some of the I'm going to hold on to the ball and take the foul yeah. and it's, it's much worse for Greenish because he's in a better team 
And he really does slow City down at times, whereas I think Zahar is sometimes just getting battered. My thing with Zahar has always been, probably on this podcast, probably an in-between thing, where you are pretty high on him. And I think Jack's sometimes been sort of like, what the hell is the talk about this yeah. guy? The My thing's been, I think there's no doubt he'd be better in a better team. I don't think he would be this sort of earth-shattering talent in a new team. For example, I think there was a kind of feeling that, you know what, if you put him in a better team, he'd be Mane or Salah or whatever. Salah might be a bit yeah. top end of that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think he would be just the wrong below. I think he'd be very, very good, but I don't think... For example, if he'd gone into you when Pepe did, I think he would have been standout good. I don't think he would have been even Saka good. No. So, But there's, you know, it's still pretty good though. And now if you get him on free... Then he's not a guy you can have in your rotation. I'm I'm well aware of that fact. Yeah, <laughs> but if you say, you know, for the next couple of years you're our starter, you're a free signing. Yeah. Everybody should be in for him. So he's he's been offered. Obviously, you can't, like you said. But he's they say he's been offered um, the one of the largest. I think it's the largest salary outside of Ronaldo in Qatar. He's like, been offered that today. Um, I hope he doesn't. I hope he no. So but, suppose they say Champions League teams are in for him. I'd love to see him have a go at least. It's because he he gets spoken down on about that spell at United when he was like eighteen years old. I think you can see that, that he wasn't ready at that point. And in an awful United team as well. Bad timing. We saw some very good players go to United in that time and flop. Yeah, and as much as it became like something that laughed about because Patrice ever outed yeah. him on TV, any sort of personal circumstance probably isn't ideal no. at that point. Uh, I, yeah, I think he just wasn't ready for it at that point. If you want a little uh, timestamp for that period, by the way, when he was signed for United, so people doing because he'd only only done it in the Championship, hadn't he? At that point, they've gone. You know what they've really missed out on here? The real signing is Tom Ince from Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't age so well. Some sensational PR that man has. I saw someone saying like he turned down a move to, like it was like a uh, a Europa League side in the summer and people are like, yeah people are like why do people still believe this like, <laughs> this isn't a thing Paul Ince just leaking stories to the press just come on put a good word in for him um, yeah, maybe we'll do more on Zaha and when we get closest to the summer to uh, see where he's going to go um, I we sign him all in on him forget everything I've ever said alright <laughs> he's yeah. a game changing talent if he goes to United maybe I forget everything I've said <laughs> um we made five changes midweek in a draw with Sporting where we looked shaky defensively, to be honest. Um, we go away to Fulham. I think I told anyone that would listen, I was worried about this game, especially after Thursday. Erdegaard comes back in. Trossard must have had some of Michael Jordan's secret stuff because he made the starting 11. Jesus made the bench. The news broke Saturday night. I text my uncle, like, I was just in something saying that Jesus and Trossard are in the squad for tomorrow. He's like, that'd be good. Like, Probably just means we don't have many other options, so we're padding the bench out. Arteta did an interview with Sky on Saturday where he was like, we're really struggling. We're without five players in our offensive lineup that we're going to have to find solutions. The next day, Trossard is starting. <laughs> so he's, he's, Outrageous. he's in the, that phase of his game. And like I've been asking for the last six to eight weeks, we finally came out and just smoked the team early doors. I don't know if it was Jesus being back in the squad just gave everyone a boost, but 
we came out 100 miles an hour. Trossard, we were being told, was out for another month. And that was by Belgian media were reporting that he was hoping to be back for the Leeds game. I don't know what they pumped him with. We got in touch with our Don't man. ask questions. We got in touch with our man at Liverpool. I saw someone say his piss must have been purple after the game. Um, the Leicester and Liverpool physio has been a yeah. And he was just on another level yesterday. Yeah, he is a joke. I mean, if you do end up winning the league, we're going to be looking at that signing. Yeah. I know Jorginho will have probably yeah. played a part as well, but obviously it was last minute goal. But the Trossard one, I mean, just looks. And again, not to carry on beating them with the stick, but that section of Arsenal fans who just we, seemed uninterested in the sign of Trossard. He's been one of the better players in the league for the most well, part. I text you about it this the, season for Brighton. On the day, because I'd been on here, my thoughts on Trossard were fairly clear. I'm hmm. quite glad in that. <laughs> quite Before you were linked with him, which yeah. was... Yeah, was and so I was really excited when we signed him, but at the same time, it was like, look, we were supposed to be getting this like Ukrainian Neymar, 100 million. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that is probably the big yeah. part of it, isn't it? And uh, so people, oh, well, he's just a guy who's good for Brighton or whatever. Yeah. I thought we could have had about seven in the first half yesterday. We were that good. And Martinelli back out wide left where he's been cooking. Xhaka was back to doing the best of both again in the left eight. Zinchen- that ball he plays for the offside goal is lovely. Yeah. Zinchenko harboured less responsibility, which worked well. Party was everywhere. Gabriel and Saliba just insane. Erdegaard, when he's on it in a, for a game like yesterday. Saka, probably the quietest player on the pitch. Um, Take that when you can have a yeah. Like that. Did you think this was more down to us looking good or Fulham being poor? No, I thought this was a, a big feather in the cap of Arsenal, actually, because Fulham are a good team. Uh, I thought I thought you would win this, but it'd be a slog. Yeah. And like you said, it was from the jump. Arsenal just said, no, this is our game today. Um, was, in its own way, it was a statement, actually, because I know you'll say, like, you know, spirit of champions or whatever, but City didn't look good against Palace. No. And you looked shit out against Fulham. So... Um, Palinia out was obviously big. I remember seeing him get booked in the game against United, I'm going to say. Um, no, it was a Friday night. So it was the Friday night game against Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, he got booked. I was like, okay, all right. That's When I saw it pop over the bottom, he's out for the Arsenal game. I'd only the day before seen those uh, stats on Sky Sports News where he's got like 30 more tackles than the next person in the league. Yeah, he's been a joke, actually. Willie and out, I saw on the day, and I'm like, okay, I feel a bit better now. Adrian Durham's right, you're just lucky. Yeah, that's all yeah. it is, you're just lucky. I actually have that down. Durham is right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the best comparison for Trossard because. He, he's looked better every single week. He gets compared to Cazorla a lot by Arsenal fans, which isn't the one that I would give. He actually gives me Nasri vibes if I'm going to yeah. compare to anyone. Just the, the way he, just the way he dribbles. Silky. I may be thinking of that one goal he had for Brighton this season where he just keeps fake shotting it as people are just going down shot and then he just smashes it in. He just looks like that Arsenal team of uh, 2008, which I've constantly said on here, is my favourite Arsenal team to watch ever where we basically just said, we're going to get all these creative players in a lineup and figure it you out. figure it out. Mm. And he just looks like such an intelligent player that the way he picks out the pass, the way he's come in and just matches up with everyone already. Call him Alexander Club. A guy who uh, gets more respect now than he ever did, <laughs> I think, as an Arsenal player, because maybe the personnel that was around him. 
the interchange in him and Martinelli do is what we've been missing since Jesus was out. And mm. that works really well. Um, three assists in the first half when in your first game back from injury is <laughs> like... Yeah, like I said, injury is basically out. Um, that, the goal that Xhaka looks like he doesn't know how to take a touch on or shoot would have been unreal if that if that comes off. Mm. I don't know what would have happened if we got Mudrick. I think looking maybe it would have harmed Martinelli in uh, his confidence and having to be that guy. Maybe Mudrick doesn't get the time. If anything, just the fact that Eddie's been out, he wouldn't have been playing number nine for us, Mudrick. So no, I don't know what we would have done because I, I really don't think Martinelli's a nine. I think he can do that job, but I don't think that's... There's people that constantly say his future is going to be as a centre forward. I think he's told you now, Arteta's told you now, that's not where he sees himself. It's weird, isn't it? Because people are, yeah, like you said, whether they were just really married to the idea originally, but some are still sort of yeah. dying on that one. But then... And it was, we had shit centre forwards. So people had, did it with like Rashford, didn't they? Though? Yeah. Where it was like, how long would he have to play well off the left? And not that well for the middle before you go, he's a guy who can play off the left and come inside, but yeah. not... We had Lacazette Start. and Aubameyang playing that badly that you saw one of Martinelli and Smith <laughs> yeah. Rowe being benched. And it was like, well, why can't we play this guy through the middle and have both of them on the pitch? Especially when he first came through as well, the minor. You did look at his finishing and think, well, oh, through the middle could make some yeah. sense. He's a good finisher. Uh, what that is, It's so strange for me seeing Arsenal fans desperate for uh, Liao when I actually don't think he's better than the man that we've got in that position. He's never hit be, more than 11 goals in the league. At the very least, it's going to be close as well. Oh, yeah. Which, for you consider the money you would have yeah. to cough up for him, you'd, you'd want him to be a significant upgrade, yeah. wouldn't you? Um, I'm glad we got that third right before halftime because every time they had a bit of a moment, <laughs> I was like, look, we've been so good here. And if we concede one, Ramsdale had a moment where he's like, let me yeah. make this interesting. Yeah. And like, don't, just don't do that. Mitrovic when we spoke last week about the type of strikers that have caused us trouble in the last few weeks, Mitrovic was like, well, I had, uh, what was it? Ollie Watkins in there with, I can't, Haaland. <laughs> and Mitrovic was like, he would have uh, fitted well with what we were doing. We've now got to face sporting at home on Thursday. Don't care about the game. Just what, <laughs> no injuries there is essentially the one. When I saw Zinchenko start on Thursday, it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I know Tier. Tierney's asked to play like however many games a season and he's ill that time. Maybe put a jacket on would be my way of thinking. <laughs> That's what's done it. The lack of jacket. Um, Vieira looked actually very good against Sporting. Um, so the only outfield players we have now that don't have a goal contribution are Rob Holding and Kivio. Everyone else has contributed to a goal or an assist through the whole squad. Nice. We're cooking. I feel a lot better now after that, but we'll get to the next game and I'll be nervous again. But Who is your next home game? Palace uh, no, at home. Game, sorry. So Palace, we've got at home. Palace at home. We now play twice more before City play again. No, once more before City play again because they're still in the FA Cup. So yes. we need to win against Palace and then we'll be eight points clear when City go to Anfield. Oh. So either you do us a big You're welcome, boys. That day. I think you can rely on us. I think we know that. Or they say, time for us to make a statement. Yeah, we're done <laughs> fucking around. And, It'd be uh, rough if we get 7-0 dunked on. Oh, yeah. 
Arsenal have now matched the highest points total that Man City have had after 27 games in the last five seasons. I was watching back earlier, um, someone tweeted, Gary Neville again, (laughs) his thing, he was speaking after City had just lost at Anfield. And he was saying, look, Arsenal top of the league now, four points clear, 10 games played. And he was like, look, City have just lost here. This is a freak result losing at Anfield. That's their toughest game of the season out the way with Arsenal. He said... We seem to have a couple of freak results. He <laughs> doesn't lie very much. He said, I can tell you now, as this season goes on, Arsenal will be drawn far closer to Tottenham and Newcastle and Man United and Chelsea. And it'll be... Didn't include us. He said, time. you and City would be there at the top. He oh, said he, he was quite really sure. was a long time ago. We were already seven points ahead of you at that stage. <laughs> he said, but... He's very sure that City are just going to cruise the season. The the beauty of the Gary Neville situation is, is that, like you said, so he's been unchanged from that point, 10 games to now. Is at any point, do you go, well, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe because I was, if I was so sure about something and it didn't come right, I would probably start second guessing myself a little bit. Well, he adjusts it with United and he just doesn't adjust it with mm. us. The first reply to his comments is someone says, Well, this is just cowardly punditry because he says the only way he can be wrong in this situation is if Arsenal do the unthinkable and they actually just keep winning now for the rest of the season. He was like, It's, it's, it's not you being a pundit and giving us insight. You're just saying the best team in the league are going to win the league. Hmm. At that stage with City, is what we've said. The team that everyone right. is saying is the best team in the league are going to win the league. That's the hmm. only way you can be wrong yeah. is if Arsenal now somehow kept this going, which we obviously have for now. But I was going to say on Martinelli, after what I said about Haaland, he's got five goals in his last five league games or last six in all comps. We were very critical of him after the World Cup. And I was saying, well, he hasn't been great, but he probably suffered the most from the Jesus injury and then Xhaka and Zinchenko weren't really working it out down his side. I still don't think in front of goal sometimes he can look um, the most polished, but I kind of think that's his game. He He's far removed from the guy that we were saying just kept his head down because to do the interchanging that he does with Jesus or Trossard, he's a far more intelligent player than perhaps he's given credit for. And yeah, that was, that was probably the most comfortable game I've sat through since Bournemouth away, where we had the Saliba chance. And yeah, that isn't an easy game. No, let me tell you. <laughs> um, I, 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 me and me and Troy were speaking, um, and he was asking me questions that I don't want to be hearing at this stage. And he was asking me like, "Where are we going for the parade?" He was asking, "Would I go?" <laughs> and I was like, no, "We don't speak about this at this stage." <laughs> The uh, I thought that one of the the best things about the Arsenal performance was that they clearly understood we've got to turn up against Fulham and from the get go, yeah, basically jumped them, which yeah. is exactly what you had to do. Yeah, because they got they got some good players. Paulinho maybe would have made a difference, but we were playing around their midfield more than we were playing through them anyway. I didn't look at that game and go they were one player different. No, do you know what I mean? William of it, William and Palina. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Factor in William as well. Last couple of games. Um, I actually don't have anything for West Ham Villa. I've kind of got them as a 
You don't have anything for West Ham Villa, how dare you? Not much going on there. Um, Man United Southampton, Casemiro gets sent off after 34 minutes. Any issue with the red, first of all? I can't believe (laughs) that people have taken issue with the red. (laughs) Brendan, so the order of events in which I saw is I saw you and Brad post a video in the group about this red card. Obviously, you've said it's red. I don't know what to make of that. Brad, who's a United fan, has no doubt that it's red. So I think, okay, this obviously yeah. is. I didn't see online a lot of complaints about it. I'm going to get right. I'm going to have to find it. So I find the red. And so I don't know what I'm expecting to see, but it isn't him with his studs basically in someone's knee. Well, well Brad said um, Casemiro's about to get sent here. And then he didn't say anything else. And I was like, okay, he must have stayed on. Yeah, I thought, right, like, he's on his last yeah. chance for the job. <laughs> and then I saw Connor messaging like, oh, this is so annoying. Um He's been sent off, and you know, you look at the one in because there was the one off Fafana, wasn't for there was a tackle on Fafana or Felix in the Chelsea game that was like Felix. a blatant red, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, Oh, it's just Fafana went every week on him, I yeah, that's all I think. I saw a tweet at the time because Casemiro will now have missed 10 games through suspension this season, fuck me, yeah, because you're a four game ban for your second, yeah, red. yeah. And it was a someone quote tweeted it saying Arsenal got to play without Casemiro, United fans. And it says, "Motherfucker, everyone gets to play without Casemiro." Yeah, he's nice. His last ten games, suspended, sent off, suspended, 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 lost seven nil, sent off, suspended, suspended, suspended. Henry VIII and his wife sort of material. <laughs> The lost seven nil in there. It's lovely, cool. isn't it? <laughs> just as he's getting up off the floor, you just shove an extra yeah, punch in. I mean, he had the one that got him banned for the Arsenal game where he knows he's a booking away from a suspension and just wipes someone out from behind. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been a red that game. This is it. Then you got another one where you grab by the throat. Yeah. And now every time anyone gets touched on the neck, he's like, ah, <laughs> me, he's not been sent off. <laughs> Yeah, and then this one, which I, I did, there was no argument, I didn't think. So. No, because I thought it was as easy for me as, yes, he's taken the ball, but he's tried to leave one on him. Mm. And another like a cowardly tackle. tweet I saw someone say was, look, I know we're investigating Barcelona at the moment. We need to investigate Real Madrid because there is no way this guy can have had zero red cards at Madrid. Well, this is the thing. His brand was that he was going to be this bastard, but you you come off the pitch going, how the hell has he not got a yellow card? I remember when they played City in the Champions <laughs> League now. and he... Could have been booked about eight yeah. times in that game. Yeah, it was like, and you're going, how the hell they got away? Well, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid's relationship with La Liga and UEFA is uh, an interesting and one anyway. I've got so. to say, if you're getting this many cards while you've got United privilege, <laughs> imagine if he'd, imagine if he'd replace Xhaka. <laughs> well, look, they would argue that this is an example of the gender against United. Obviously, he didn't deserve these uh, these cards. The good thing for United was that this the, game... The pity party for him when he did get sent off, by the way. Yeah. Was, this would be like if after like uh, the Ramsey challenge, we were all going, you know what? Feel dreadful for sure, Cross. <laughs> no, the guy's a bastard. <laughs> and he left and he broke a blow his leg. How good was it that Anton is tapping him going, I'll win this for you? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he looks so good. Casemiro going off. Oh, we've got fucking no chance then. He's winning it for us. <laughs> He's making me think of the clip of um, that Tom, something I always forget his name, where he's doing the football clip and he's like, you've won it. You've won it for us. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> Anthony doing that is when uh, when Gareth offers Brent, do you want me to come in? And he's like, no, this is big bullshit. Don't worry. 
This one, fortunately, obviously wasn't too much of a worry for United because they did pick up three points when Bournemouth beat Liverpool the day before. (laughs) But there were chances on both sides. Bruno hit the post. Rashford had a 1v1 saved. Walcott had a close header saved. Walcott, Really, you can see where time's gone. That he didn't have the burst to go through one v one. Bit depressed. He st- uh, he st- loves that chipped finish. He's still trying. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, Ward Prowse hit the bar. I always think we should maybe asterisk when you hit the top of the bar rather than not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, not the same thing. Um, you've got lucky that you've got a bit of woodwork there because yeah, Connor in the chat. Oh, Ward Prowse just hit the bar, and it's like, uh, when I saw it back, I was a bit disappointed. You've lost seven nil. You bounce back. 4-1 against Betis in midweek. I did see United fans saying, how dare they celebrate like this after they only lost seven. <laughs> Rashford's, been doing win the, Rashford's been doing the, we didn't give up and it's like, we saw what we saw. <laughs> it's better that you did give yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, just say, yeah, we quit. And then the other United fans that I've been listening to have gone, what's well, a point gained? Like Liverpool lost, it's a point gained. <laughs> what? what, are we in a race with each other? <laughs> okay, fair enough. They're now third in the league on 50 points, 16 points behind Arsenal. Um, that title push going well. Southampton stayed bottom on 22, two points off safety. They're trying to avoid relegation to the championship. What did you think of the penalty appeals in this game? There's the handball that wasn't given and the Rashford one where he dived and well, I'll show you Connor's messages to me about the dive because he's telling me there was contact there. And then Bruno one is a non-starter. Like, how this bloke is screaming in officials' faces again. Mad. Mad. No, I thought Rashford was lucky he's Rashford uh, because a lot of players would be getting hounded for that. I'm not saying there was no contact. I'm saying he could clearly... He clearly goes to carry on and then goes down. This is what I got from Connor today. Jesus, I'm not even sure that pitch is actually showing. The guy said to him, I said his hands up, which means no contact. <laughs> yeah, 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 famously. What's the, the hands up? The, um, yeah, I saw someone tweet that saying, like, in the age of VR, you don't see players doing actual dives now, i.e., where it's going, I'm just going to fully throw myself to the floor. And that's what you got with Rashford yeah. there. So, and the handball one hits the chest first, which is why it's not given. And yeah. if he's pulling his arm away, they say. Yeah, I think that was it. Because I thought, when I initially saw it, I thought, oh, that is a bit dicey. Yeah. And then when I saw it come off the chest, I was like, well, they're not going to give that. Did, then, did you they? even know that was a rule before last season? The one of, uh, if you're bracing your fall, then it's not a handball. Because the first time I heard of it was there was the most blatant handball I've ever seen in my life with Cedric against United at the Emirates last season. Me and Langston was like sat right I felt it. like they'd made that rule up for that yeah. very instance. And, and since we've seen loads of them. Like, mm. So when it happens now, you basically bend down to block the ball and it's gone like, well, he was going down. So, But the, the thing with the decisions in this, it kind of piggybacks on points I've made about fans with decisions previously where yeah. it's you sent our player off so you kind of owe us a penalty so, yeah but it wasn't a yeah. penalty <laughs> yeah but you, you did one against us so you owe us this yeah. one and then same thing they go you know what I don't have a problem with a customer red card I just want consistency <laughs> you don't want consistency you want your team to get the decision because we can't what are we going to do so it, say 
the whole criticism was that Mariner was working the day before. Was he the VAR the day before in the referee on this one or vice versa? Right, yeah. um, okay, so if you say he got it wrong in the Chelsea one, so does he have to get it wrong in the United one as well? <laughs> And then what? Then we just work till next week and then you can get them right? It's That's not the way it works. If, if he got it wrong one day, he should rectify that the next. And otherwise, we're just constantly in this weird cycle where you go, well, until things even themselves out, we're all, I don't know, one, one level. And then we can start getting decisions right. It's never going to work. No, I see a tweet every week and someone says, I think you're actually giving the PGMOL too much credit if you give them the idea that they could run an agenda. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like- they're just shot. Run a bar, so how are they going to get a conspiracy going? It's just... Still confident they'll get third United? Yeah, I think they're going to end up in that classic third position where not changing for a title, but safe from fourth, and you kind of ended up sort of petering out a little bit. The only thing that can threaten them there is that they just the players end up on holiday. But yeah. fortunately for them, Liverpool players are on holiday. They are fatigued. Spurs already. players don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. Newcastle. Are- Maybe well, going to pick it back up. Last so. thing now on Newcastle. I thought they were cooking early here. Didn't get the goal. Nice goal from Isaac. Really nice. I thought he was a good header. How good is he? Oh, doesn't he? Because that first game against us, I thought he looks better than I've ever given him credit for. Yeah, we here. were on at the same time. Because he was linked with us. Like the, the car that wasn't driving through London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man of times. And I remember thinking I was nervous with the, the fee that was being attached. I was like, oh, uh, he looks like he's got something, but looks a little bit raw for that. Was I'm not sure he's ready. 60? Sorry? Was it 40 or 60? Well, I mean, when he was being linked with you, we were talking yeah. like 75 yeah. at that for yeah. a period, weren't we? Well, I, I can't really remember scary. how much Newcastle paid. I think well, it was... In my mind, it might be 60, but yeah. that feels really high. It feels like maybe Hardly. that would have got more of attention. But I remember watching him against us and thinking, okay, this guy looks a more clinical finisher than I expected and a little bit 63 million 63 million it's just a lot that we don't really bulk about <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah it just looks a little bit more polished than I expected and then obviously since then he hasn't really and he's obviously had some injury issues as well um, it's funny they've ended up not quite in a Callum Wilson situation yet because we don't really know his injuries will be that bad but it looks like they've got another player where if you can keep him fit he's going to be great but it's just a case of if you can I think he looks like he's got something about him. Still a very skinny guy. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does change that or if he just goes, well, this is sort of my build. That's a nice header that he scored at the weekend. How soon before they start him ahead of Wilson? Because he's not been good since the World Cup. Yeah, I I think realistically, the beauty, if you are a Newcastle and you want to play Isaac, is you know Wilson's getting injured at some point. And all you've got to say to Isaac is, hit the form when he's out. And you'll be our guy. And because I think at some point that will happen. At the moment, even when they play Isaac, they still feel they have to keep Wilson happy and they swap him on about 60 minutes. Yeah. Uh, let's face it, I don't think the Callum Wilson stock is that high that if he's out for a period of time and Isaac hits the ground running, that he can go, well, I've got to come back in. Yeah. It's not It's not a situation, I don't know, like Van Persie, Arsenal, yeah. and then Shamak hits a few goals. He's going to go, well, I've still got to come back in. Yeah. Uh, Trippier makes a mistake for one all. I was thinking here with um, team of the seasons because Trippier. He has some interesting choices. Rough patch of form here. I think people's oh, mind. You just go Arsenal. <laughs> well, I think people's mind is made up already. So I think Trippier can do whatever he wants the rest of the season, and he will be right back. I think Saliba can do whatever he wants for the rest of the season, and he's going to be centre back. I think Gabriel can play as well as he wants to, and he's not going to be in there. I think. The the positions are pretty much made up. I think De Bruyne is going to be in there no matter what. Fuck me. Yeah, yeah. 
I saw him being asked at the press conference today um, how close he is to retiring. <laughs> Jesus. He said he referred to himself as an old man in the game now because he was being asked about his form um, before their last game. And he said, you know, it just doesn't affect me the same way now. I, I understand how this works. And then the, comments, the, the pundit was like, look, you, you mentioned that you're an old man. How much longer do you think you have to be playing? And he's yeah. like, I didn't say that. Yeah. I said, I'm an old man in the game. He said, I'll be honest with you. I don't mean to be rude. I actually feel like quite a young man in this room having a look around at it. <laughs> yes, KDV yeah. coming out firing. I like it. Um, yeah, so Trippier makes a mistake for 1-1, one, one, slips over back of the net. And my brother messaged me saying I'm being unfair about Newcastle and their defence. I'm being unfair. I'm just saying it's easier to keep clean sheets when you have the second deepest defensive line in the league after Man United. Yeah, but yeah, that's a way of playing. It's yeah, not- for sure. I was just, I was comparing our defenders to theirs and saying that's where if you say Nick Pope has one more clean sheet than Ramsdale and they're actually tied now, um, he's a better goalkeeper. I was saying there's one is far more in jeopardy than uh, the other. And Nick Pope, I thought, had some good saves, but looked horrible for the most part yesterday. How the hell that is not a penalty? If he wasn't sent off, if he wasn't sent off for the Carabao, that he's sent off in this game. Yeah, that's by the way as well. One of the things where with our sort of widespread sympathy for him missing the cup final probably does get into the yeah. official's head. It's like we feel bad for this guy. Because I saw, I did, see, I did see some Newcastle fans saying that the Wolves player had initiated the contact. Yeah, was people, like, oh, it was, it's him and his, and people were battering him for it, saying, "Just tap the ball in." And he's been shoved off the ball. And then I saw uh, Dave Jones when they were doing the punditry after saying, uh, "We're not, we're not asking someone else to re-ref the game, though, are we?" And that's why he's not asked to go and have a look at it. And then someone says, "Well, then why, if Casemiro's quite off an hour asking yeah, to re-ref the if game, if given a booking, then say with well, the ref saw it, it's." There's nothing there. If you've got plenty others where the ref's seen it, then the ref's on the halfway line at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make him go and watch it again. It's as clear a red card as I've ever seen. It looks just like the one just before the Carabao, yeah. really, just in a obviously deeper position. He just, just not quite do, as bad. Do but. not let the ball be at that man's feet because weird, isn't it? Because I know that, uh, and I've forgotten his name again, that goalkeeping expert. J.D. Harrison. Yeah, was doing a thing that, look, he's a better sweeper than you think in terms of the numbers. Yeah. He does it a lot more than you think. You do watch him, you're like, I don't feel comfortable I think the the, the way that metric goes is that sweeping counts as you collecting the ball outside of your area. So it's more, he runs out to clear it. Right, yeah. um, yeah. Or he runs out to smash it to the fullback or whatever. It's not that... uh, He's bringing the ball out and he's doing all these kind of things because, yeah, you ask him to play that Ramsdale chipped cross to chipped what ball to the fullback and he's twisting his ankle. I said before, look, Allison would be seen as one of the better ones at it, and you look at him and go, oh, "He's giving me hearts." Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's that Ramsdale good at still it. does it to me, and I think outside of Edison, he's the best with his feet in the league. Sure. Mm. Um, it's a nice finish from Almiron for their second goal. Very nice pass from my man Joe Willock as well um, to get the winner. Best thing about this, best thing of the game really, because putting the two most boring teams in the league outside of maybe Crystal Palace on Spurs TV. Yeah, on TV. At, this time, at least I hate Spurs. So I've got like, some interest <laughs> some there. Jack might contend Chelsea would be in there as well. Yeah. yeah. I-, I liked Almiron's celebration, just him losing his head. Eyes bulging at his head, hugging a fan. They said first goal at St. James's since like October. That was it. Before he was maybe getting a bit too used to scoring. Now that he's 
for regress to the mean a little bit. It means more to him again. The stats with us that we've kept 12 clean sheets this season and 11 of them are away. Blimey. Like at home, some, we just hear North London forever and just like punt it into our own nets. Start know, getting buzzing. Give the other team a goal. They Newcastle don't look as defensively stable anymore, but Wolves are a tough side to face. I, I still think even when Wolves were rock bottom, when we were playing them, I still looked like, oh, I don't fancy going to Molyneux. They'll normally give you a, a difficult yeah. tie, if nothing, like I said, not the most exciting. No, and but. they've just got fast players, Adama and that at the other end. Nice to see Neto come back on. Um, those Pudence Hazard shouts look more rash every time we play. Good heavens. <laughs> um, do they get top four, Newcastle? The Wolves, huh? When? Um, I can't believe I'm saying it. I've got a weird thing Spurs do. I think Spurs do. I just think Conte has this weird thing where it'd be a disaster, but he will somehow get them over there. Yeah. Well, I think that does wrap us up for today. As I said last week, no movie madness this week. It if you be- want, by the way, because we touched on the relegation teams, I'm saying now, so we don't record. Bournemouth go down on goal difference. Okay. There you go. They go down on goal difference. So I've got Southampton, Leicester and Bournemouth. Bournemouth going down on the goal difference. Well, and we're going to get the blame because we dicked them 9-0. <laughs> it wasn't our fault. We gave them three points at the weekend. When did Billing become Danish? I, I posted this in the chat um, probably about a month or so ago I said he's got the Josh King Norwegian yeah. thing going on well, hang on a minute I um, I was looking up because like everyone seemed to realise at once on Saturday that he's actually pretty good <laughs> I put him in my FPL team at the start of the season thinking I was playing chess I was thinking he's worth no money and this big lad they'll probably stick him up top for Bournemouth because things will get tough I thought everyone else playing checkers I'm playing chess here bollocks got nothing to begin with because as soon as I saw he was Danish, I was like, well, you're definitely going to Brentford in the summer now. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely happened. It. Yeah, he, look, he, he looks good. Hard profile to uh, get f- for the money that I imagine uh, he'll go for. Mm. Um, but yeah, no movie madness this week. Uh, we'll have some races coverage on TikTok, Twitter, and all of those things. Uh, Piranha, as I've said before, the first episode of Movie Madness Season 5 will be there out next Friday. And once again, to go, uh, like I guess every other podcast out there, if you could give us a subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, basically whatever you listen on, very much appreciated. Uh, goes a long way, helps us move up the charts that you don't see and uh, get seen by a couple more people. So thank you. We'll be back. Adios. <laughs>